0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Today, Graham McMillan and I return... After a week off for another nearly three hour installment to discuss Batman 49, Shanghai Red number one, the wedding issue of X-Men Gold, Justice League number two, as well as Avengers number three, the two issue run by Steve Gerber on Cloak and Dagger, Trauma, Superheroing and Representation, Tom Taylor, Ian McEwan, and the DC Walmart 100 page giant news, as well as much, much more. Comments on this episode are available at WaitWhatPodcast.com. Please send us your questions at WaitWhatPodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and
1: thank you for listening. Jeff Lester, Graham McMillan. Hello. How are you? Hello. Uh, I am actually Secrets Behind the podcast. Have, going to have to open a window because it's so warm in Portland that even though I thought like I can do this with windows closed like nor- I normally do, basically because I don't want the entire neighborhood to hear me shouting about like Steve Englehart or whatever, <laughs> uh, that's that's not gonna happen. Like it's yeah. it, I actually have to open a window. Uh, well, that's fine. How are you? How is how is everything? How is San Francisco? Is it also? Unfeasibly warm? Yes, yes, that is the exact
0: adjective that I would use. It it is unfeasibly warm. It is really, really surprising. Now that it's sort of a little later in the day, it's begun to cool off a lot, which is great. But yeah,
1: surprisingly, surprisingly warm today. Have have I told you about my weird theory that, like, heat affects Wi-Fi? Which is completely non-scientific. But I feel like we always have shitter internet connection and shitter Skype calls when it is warm. Mm, could be, could be. I mean, uh, it, it, with San
0: Francisco, it used to be the opposite—that our our wetter weather—but that was literally because, you know, we're still <laughs> we're we're wired. We're liter- It's it's all this stuff. San Francisco, one of the tech you know capitals of the world, is like hobbled because we barely have any cell phone towers and nimby's everywhere, and nothing drives me crazier than than. Uh, my failed attempts to upgrade our internet over the last six months where it's like after sort of begging and pleading my wife and calling the AT&T people, they're like, yeah, no, nah, no, that's about it. that's the best you can get. I mean, you know, if you were living in an area where we could get you fiber and I'm like, it's San Francisco, how far away is that area? Why can't you just put it here?
1: It is insane that San Francisco has, has such shitty internet. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah, oh, I do think. I think so
0: repeatedly, and I'm filled with rage when I think of people on emailing lists who were afraid to expose their children to microwave towers and wanted these things shut down despite scientific proof. And literally, when presented with scientific proof, it's like, okay, there. admittedly, there's two sides to every story. And it's like, no, that's not what scientific proof means. That's, no. <laughs> it's it's like the anti vaxxers Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. They were like, "I'm just not going to take the chance that this is going to affect my child." So, so no, you're not putting up a microwave tower up on the top of that hill.
1: It's like, well, but but there was for the longest time the whole thing about like microwaves are going to fry your brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, you and I are both old, Jeff. Yes. Like you must remember as well. Like when when cell phones became popular. Yes. There was like genuine panic like cell phones are going to either a fry your testicles or b fry your brain mm-hmm. or perhaps both right and that was like a i a, a seriously considered thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know that everyone was like well you know good luck you're sure anyone can call you anytime but have you ever thought about the fact that your brain is now going to be like half working mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and everyone's like eh, apparently that's fine you know you cause... know what's funny mm-hmm. i'm saying that for all i know that that is actually true and some whatnot is going to know all about the science is going to be like you were making fun, but actually, you know, jump it in. It really honest. does, in, in fact,
0: impact your brain. I've, I, I feel like there were a few preliminary studies that then weren't able to replicate anything. Science is, at its most generous, I would say, inconclusive. And as a general rule of thumb, people are like, no. <laughs> no. but
1: we'll see maybe, I, maybe one we'll of the others. things mm. I, we are wildly off the races with with detours already one of the things i love very much like one of the highlights of my week these days is i get the guardians uh print edition the weekly mm. print edition wow i i love it i think it's a very like, it's just it's a good way of sort of catching up and, and catching the things that you miss in uh, i mean Jeff, I don't know where your head is at in terms of reading the news. This week, I've spoken to a number of people who are essentially saying, "I can't read the news anymore." Yeah, I feel like like, I just can't. Yeah, like this this week in particular. Yep, because this week has been just, I mean, horrendous. Yeah. Um, but I find that. And I do keep up with the news or try to, but there's always things that you just miss. Mm -hmm. So it's really good to have a weekly newspaper that's like, did you know this happened and this happened and this happened? you're like, I had no idea about at least two two of those things. Wow, that's great. Uh, But one of the things they do is they have a a sort of science and health section. And so I'm reading the paper the other week and it's like, do you know that there was a woman who uh, had – breast cancer and radiation therapy was doing nothing for her and then they gave her this new uh, this experimental uh, regime of essentially like reprogramming her own immune system Hmm. and she's been cancer free for two years Hmm. and I was like what? And they have all the experts being like yeah we might actually be able to beat cancer that's what I love like I love scientific updates where it's like that's amazing as opposed to you know well maybe phones are eating your brain
0: Right, right. Yeah. I, 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 so you're saying you actually like reading news about good things happening.
1: It's crazy, isn't it? That is, but that it, is it's, a lot. It's, it's
0: such a... <laughs> <laughs> that, but anyway, it, it, How do you find pretty... someone to hate in that story, though, Graham? That must be pretty
1: rough. Do you have to, like, comb through oh, it, it, or do they I, have a Jeff...
0: sidebar telling you who's hateable? I
1: have I have two ways to go with this, Jeff, and I'm going to go both of them, so just bear with me. Thing number one. Every week at Wired, I do a, a roundup of internet conversation, mm. and it's literally like what five stories have people been talking about that also interest me
2: mm-hmm.
1: this week, everyone has only been talking about immigration as far as I've seen mm-hmm. like you know there have been things that pop up for maybe two seconds, yeah, but and people have been talking about for more than maybe like three hours
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's in some way been tied to the immigration story. Mm-hmm. But because of the structure of the word thing, I still have to come up with five topics. So this week, I wrote 1,500 words, essentially about different facets of the immigration. Oh, great. That's fabulous. I shit you not, Jeff, I have never been so uh, emotionally impacted Mm
2: -hmm.
1: by something.
2: Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And again, I keep up with the news, but just like spending hours researching that and then writing it... Mm Mm-hmm. And and part of it is, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, so, so-and-so tweeted this, so-and-so tweeted this. So you really have to dive down the, what are the people on Twitter saying?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is toxic at the best of times. Right. But on this subject in particular, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not joking. So I did the majority of the research on Thursday and I was like really badly emotionally impacted for hours afterwards. Like, I was literally in a daze going, I have to just walk. <laughs> mm. Like, I have to walk and without any input because right now I just think everything is terrible. Mm. So it's funny. You're like, who do you hate? Because, you know, this week, oh, oh, they, they, you know, it's been very clear who to hate. Yes. Big yeah, yeah, number no, two. Yes. Okay. No, go, go on with what you were going to say. No, 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 no,
2: no.
0: I mean, I was like... I do love the idea that I'm like, no, but who do you hate in the happy story? But the idea that they have the sidebar I, I, where... I hate
1: the answer in the happy story, Jeff. No. Oh, it's such an easy answer. Ah. Well, it's, but nonetheless, there you go. Um, <laughs> thing number two. And I, I'm going to say this, and I'm also going to say something that I know that not everyone will listen to. Okay. But, also related to Wired... <laughs> Ethan Van Skyver made a video about me this week. Oh shit, that's... You know, you hit... Had... Actually, it's actually a video. I found out afterwards. No. Did you go watch yes. it? Yes. No, I literally watched maybe the first three seconds. Oh my because god. Because it starts off immediately going... There's a journalist called Graham McMillan. <laughs> and I was like, I can't watch any further. Oh. I can't. The, the backstory of this, listeners, that Jeff knows and and, and you guys don't, is i had really strange twitter mentions this week that were basically along the lines of are you stupid or has kathleen kennedy bought you off right and i was like what like what is i don't even know what this is in reference to like mm-hmm. this is really weird and of course i didn't engage because why would you engage of course um but i can't, get I can't be get like oh hoy hoy, thanks
0: for asking <laughs> um, to the well, best of my knowledge, saying. Kathleen Kennedy hasn't paid me for anything. Exactly. <laughs> I wish she would. She's got a lot of money. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for writing. Uh. So, yeah. So, uh, sorry. But, so, but I
1: kept I kept getting them. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually someone was like, thanks, Ethan VanSkyver for telling us about this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is weird. So I go over and look at his Twitter account. And there's nothing mm-hmm. there. Well, yes, because as you know... That's, that's Right. That gave me a, a you know anything, uh, and then someone was like, "Has he made a video about you?" And I was like, "No, no. Why would no? Why would he?" But let me check anyway to see if there's any explanation as to what's going on. And sure enough, he's made a video about me. This is the thing I'm going to tell listeners, and I know some are going to ignore. Please don't watch it. Like, not only have I not watched it, I don't want you guys to watch it, basically because I don't want him to get the hits. Right. I don't want him to get use. It's that simple. Like, I'm sure he's just, like, spouting bullshit right. about me, but I don't even want to know the bullshit, mm. you know? Um, but it was really surreal. Mm. Like, that being a thing, mm-hmm. it's a r- fucking surreal. Right. You know? And also, to be honest, it's really funny to me that, like, that's what gets, like, the comic gators. Because it's a Star Wars thing. It's a reference to a Star Wars thing I wrote on, uh, on Wired. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what gets comic gators after me. I honestly was, was like, have you not paid attention to like what I've been saying? Like I
0: okay, apparently, but, Graham, yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, uh but yeah, there you go. So yeah, that my week's be weird, Jeff. How's yours?
0: <laughs>
1: Mine's also been weird,
0: but but in utterly mundane, completely uninteresting um ways. So uh we can talk about it. Basically, um uh as you know, and I don't know if my list uh, my listeners my listeners, as opposed to your listeners, Graham. Uh, listeners of the podcast, well, people, you, of course... Well, people come from me or you. It's that they don't come from both of us. Oh, no, I don't think that's true at all. I mean, that's very... <laughs> that, that, but, yeah, God help them if that's the case, because, um, you know, as someone who has happens to edit the podcast, I I know that I would be absolutely 100% interminable without you. And as it is, I still speak far too much. Uh So... Josh. There's a, right, which was my point. There's, uh, as people know, my dad passed a few months ago. The service is finally happening next week. So, interestingly enough, around the time that my dad passed and I was trying to handle that, work kicked into, um, I, I guess, oh, what vi- video game makers would gear. call, yeah, nightmare mode. And uh, this week, as I was prepping to try and get everything, you know, done, because I'm basically working a half week next week, um, and then driving up for my dad's services, and I'm going to be there over the weekend, and blah, 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 uh, um, the Nightmare Mode switched back on again, so... Oh, God, yeah. no, really? Yeah, so the last
1: three days has just oh, been, like, kind I, of unending I was, re- I was really worried about that, because I haven't heard from you that much this mm-hmm, week. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I hope it's not a terrible work thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, nope, terrible work thing terrible work thing. So we'll see. I mean, we're kind of just, if everyone hangs on, we've got some, hopefully we've got, you know, a little bit of respite around the corner, which is to say there's some additional skilled workers who are here. It's just, we're super, super short. Like vacations had been okayed for senior members. And then we had people who actually literally left the job and it's, we're, we're kind of hanging in, but and then on top of it was bullshit where where literally people were like, yes, and we're going to need people to work twenty four hours around the clock on these well, days.
1: Well, I, I I want to explain for the for the whatnots for the listeners that when you are talking about your work going into nightmare mode, like people might not understand quite how bad that is. Mm. There's 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 a sort of expectation when someone goes, oh my my job's a nightmare, that they mean their job's pretty shitty. And I don't say this to put down other people's jobs, but when you talk about your job being nightmare mode, you're literally describing, you know, you're working, you're working more each day than not working each day, first of all. Yeah. But also, there may be no sleep. He, or there may be, like, three hours sleep. Right. Or, you know, and, like, it's, I I don't want to say anything that would get you in trouble, mm-hmm. but your your nightmare mode, when you've been talking to me about it, is genuinely unimaginable to me oh wow well because i because i'm i'm very much like i think i just quit right yeah you know
0: it's an interesting thing it's an interesting thing like i the the thing is is that that um if you know me and like me i feel that people are who hear it are kind of like oh holy shit this is bad but like honestly i got to tell you compared to things like video game employee, company employees and things like that people who end up you know having to work basically eternal crunch mode it's 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 arguably not that bad it only happens a few times and some of what happens is it's because i'm overprotective and i can't let things go and i'm very much like this time was not necessarily as nightmarish as last time in part because it was all happening on the other coast and I wasn't there this time. And so all I could do was fret while basically my decisions got steamrolled and I got, you know, people kept trying to cut me out of the loop. It's just picky yoon bullshit, you know. Um, and I'm But my main concern was trying to protect the people in my department. And honestly, the worst part, the nightmare mode part, was the idea of like that's kind of why I took on these larger job responsibilities and then i'm in a situation where where i can't do it you know what i mean and so there's just this horrible impotence but there's also is a little bit of that feeling of like well then maybe i should just quit because if i'm in a situation where you know, as head of the department, I have absolutely no say, and everyone's entirely comfortable with cutting me out of the communication loop, and that scene is alright for the people who run the place where I work, then part of me is like, well then, fuck it, I technically can't do anything, you know what I mean, and I might as well quit, but, eh, eh, you know. It happens rarely. It's all, there's various stages of bluffery. I might be able to figure out some way where it's like, if I can get, you know, it's, it's really, um, you know, th- there's that thing in, like, police dramas where they talk about having a rabbi. You know what I mean? Um, and. <laughs> you, you know what? I really don't. Okay. I was, I was so wondering. So you're going to have to explain that. A, a rabbi is, is, is a, uh, Sort of shorthand, not that it's needed for like a mentor. It, it, but okay. more so. I
1: honestly thought for a second you were going to actually explain what a rabbi was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, 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 no.
0: <laughs> but, Have but... you heard of the Jewish faith? The Jewish faith. But no, but do you know, but do you know what I mean in the shorthand of the term or no?
1: Uh, I don't know what you mean in this context. Like, right. are, are you just saying having some sort of, you know, as you said, mentor, father figure, someone you can turn to when, when things are, yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to say, like, the shit gets real, but, you know, when things are emotionally trying. Well, see,
0: and this is, I think, why the term sort of gets split out a little bit, is, like, a mentor suggests that, like, oh, they give you life lessons about how to handle these blah-blah-blahs. A rabbi is someone who is... Uh, essentially has the power to to affect the situation. Like, you've got someone who is, who's sort of bringing you up or has their eye on you but also is able to exercise power on your behalf. So the reason why it gets used in, in, you know, cop dramas, and I feel like when I say cop dramas, I, of course, mean like the wire, you know, is you, get, you have suction with somebody who's higher up, and they, you know, pave the way through the various bureaucracy or nonsense so that when you have something that needs to get done, they back you and things get shut down you know Mm -hmm. i i actually have had one or two situations where somebody has helped me out but that's entirely on an administrative side of things and don't get me wrong i was very grateful for it at the time but when it comes to interacting with the people that i'm providing support for that's where things get a little hairier where if i had someone in in my corner there who is very much like yes this department is a priority you have to treat them well you can't put them through bullshit and you have to go through the supervisor of the department all all, some of these pieces would fall into place but since i don't it's kind of you know it's like poker or something highest card wins or something and and i sort of by nature of where i stand in the business that i am i'm never going to get you know a face card i guess so uh, that was all kind of elliptical and cranky anyway so yeah it's been it's been kind of tough today just by virtue of not having to go to work most of the crises being over even though there's some some residual bullshit hanging around the corners has been much much better and much more relaxing which is great but it really did have this this thing of like my like if if this were, like, a bad novel, like, you know, there would be some weird metaphorical tie or thematic underpinning or even an, a plot point that would come out as to why my my dead dad, God bless him, is somehow tied to this one case that we're covering that just keeps coming up and, and being awful and somehow tied to whenever I start getting closer to dealing with my grief. So there, it's weirdly commingled you know anyway yeah kind of atrocious kind of atrocious is basically it but the other weird part is part of me is like um i don't know you know i i, I that's only ha that's only half the battle you know because the rest of it is this this real uh and i apologize for the various whatnots that are of a more um rightward uh, persuasion i would be shocked if we still have any left but you know with all with all the gentleness in the world and trying to not talk about the the world events, the the shit that's happening in the world and particularly in this country is um is is genuinely horrifying
1: and yeah it's it's this this I mean this really has been like the soul crushing week yeah yep Absolutely. you know we were like I I feel. You know, I feel powerless, but I'm not, I'm not powerless. You know, there's things I can do, but there's also the, I can't believe this has happened even. Yeah. yeah. Like, how did this happen? Yeah. Well, you know, and that... that did did you see the, the Boston Globe story? mm So the Boston Globe, after Trump was elected, had a fake newspaper front page. mm hmm Of what it's going to be like. It might even have been before he was elected. Of what it would be like with Trump as president. Wow. And it was like a worst case scenario. You know, it must have been before the election. Because I think it was like, this is why we kind of liked him. Uh, But it was like a worst case scenario. Like, you know, everything is bad. Right. Front page. And they ran a story, I think yesterday. There's essentially them going, okay, we were off by six months, but everything has happened. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Because it's like, you know... Uh, uh, people are just being like arrested, and mm-hmm. families are being separated, and we're in a trade war with China, and wow. you know mm-hmm. all the and they're like, yeah, this this isn't funny anymore. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's that is the proper way to put it. So I think the only thing we can really do, Graham, is um, is pivot and talk about uh, entertainment and comic books. I, I mean, I talk- unless you have like a fine, I believe me, I wish I had a beautiful cathartic story. I, I
1: don't be entertained. I, I don't either um, yeah the the, the thing this really has been the week like i was saying where so many people have just been like i can't watch the news anymore yeah and and in many ways i feel that that's very bad Mm-hmm. like i feel like now is when we like it's not like at any point it's like i ah, fuck it forget it right but i feel like when this shit is happening mm-hmm. it's like our duty to stay more engaged yeah um but I can also understand the impulse of like have you seen what's happening right. like there's only so much you can take before you just get completely overwhelmed well there's the
0: complete there's the completely overwhelmed but there's also just a little bit of the um for me part of what's problematic is is that it's it's overwhelming and there's a normalizing factor that goes on depending on where and who and what you follow that is Really hard to take, like i wasn't there that like early in the week wasn't there that thing where the n y t pulled an interview with uh stephen what's his doodle
1: uh, yes
0: is that wrong did, did,
1: repeat yeah re- what happened that? was mm-hmm. no what happened was the n y t ran the text of the interview
2: mm-hmm.
1: and was going to use the audio. On their podcast on the Daily, mm-hmm. and why I said no, you can't use the audio, hmm. and the, Pia, the, the NYT agreed not to use the audio. Oh, okay. But the text of the of, the, of what he said was still there. Oh, okay. Well, that is. Different. Uh, I, and and what the NYT said as a as their explanation was, uh, a journalist has to, you have to basically get permission to to, to use, use audio. audio.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because it's true. It's like, not. Like, yeah. You
1: you can't just like you can't just decide sure it's our interview we can do whatever we want with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure I would really believe that to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a defendable position mm-hmm. as opposed to like they pulled the interview because I said no. You know, like that's indefensible. Like right. the entire point of being a journalist is to, is to speak truth to power,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the idea that the White House be like, please don't run that, and they'd be like, okay, sure, is is really concerning. But that's not what happened.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that is good to know, thank goodness. Oh. Uh,
1: but no, it's I, I was listening, as you know, I listen to a lot of, of podcasts and listen to a lot of political podcasts, mm-hmm. and they had the Slate political gap fest had this thing where they're like, how do you feel about the fact that? Uh, the the secretary of Homeland Security Kirsten Nelson uh, was was basically run out of a restaurant because people were jeering her, and the the people were like, ah, I you know I think that's a bit much you know I think we're stepping over line and honestly I was like no fucking like yeah. she should fucking go out in public yeah. like, you know fuck. and also I honestly going to a Mexican restaurant really was trolling yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, and it's oh fuck yeah sure like, like yes like hound her out it was like i don't know if you saw today uh sarah huckabee sanders was like last night i was asked to leave a restaurant because of my because of what i do for a living and that says a lot about the restaurant owner and i was like it does it says the restaurant owner is not going to stand for someone yeah <laughs> like does not Serve someone who lies to people all the time and yeah. defends the indefensible, yeah. and I'm okay with that. Like yeah. I know you're meaning this is a I can't believe people are so partisan, but you stand up for like don't bake a cake for them because they're gay. So fuck you.
2: Yeah,
0: it is true. To say nothing of the fact that apparently I guess the owner had gone and actually talked to their employees and asked them because they I, some of them who were immigrants and people of color were like i feel uncomfortable like literally kind of that idea of like i'm scared of this person i could you know i don't feel comfortable with them here because it makes sense they once you get to that point but yeah you know fuck that person i mean it's just it really is like the uh blah you know it would be like that scene in casablanca where you know uh, where people start you know the the Nazis are singing their, their glorious fatherland song, and then, you know, the French stand up and start singing the, the French national anthem, you know, and Humphrey Bogart is, you know, it's like being chastised for not s- stepping forward and being like, no, no, you guys, no, 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 come on, that's crossing a line, you know, and it's just like,
2: yeah.
0: Don't upset don't the
1: Nazis. Yeah, don't upset um, the Nazis, right? <laughs> that's... But they're, they're, I was going somewhere with this, but I can't remember. Jeff, let's talk about comics. Please, let's
0: let's just talk about comics where people are just punching one another in the face, and there's there's just the sweet sweet lack of moral ambiguity.
1: Oh, can I be, can I be snarky about something in a second? Because you've just reminded me of it. Sure. <laughs> uh, since we last did a, a, a wait, what? Um, the, the Heroes in Crisis project's been announced. The Tom King Clay Man uh, book sent, set in Sanctuary, the mm-hmm. the idea of the, uh, like a trauma center for superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw someone comment, and it's my favorite comment about this because it really speaks to like the particular entitlement of superhero fandom.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is, the comment was actually, I love stories about traumatized superheroes. I just w- wish we didn't see the trauma that got them there. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, "That's hilarious! Like, that's fascinating." Right. Well, because I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, do what, do you agree?
0: I I, I don't necessarily disagree. But, Isn't that weird? No,
1: I know, I know. Okay, but why? Me... Okay, explain that to me, because surely, what's the point of having a story about trauma if you if you shy away from the trauma? Well, like, I I think I think the alternative is worse. Like I think if you're just going to traumatize your viewers and not deal with the trauma, that seems gratuitous. But uh, if you're going to right, mm-hmm. show the aftermath. Show, then, show, then... show the But
0: no, but I think the person wasn't saying that the problem was they didn't want to see the incident, right? The inciting incident, not the yeah. aftermath of the trauma, right?
1: Yeah, but that's what, I guess that's what I'm saying. Like I I see no problem with with showing the incident as long as you show the aftermath.
0: Uh, that is, I, I I'm not saying that that's wrong either. I'm just sort of saying like part of me is like what this, is this what Buddhism that you've suddenly uh, wandered into, Jeff? I, well, my thing. Yes, I know, I know, Graham. It is, and I have to say, I'm a little suspicious of you these days. I've got my eye on you, Mister. But we'll come back to that, because because <laughs> I do. Part of me is kind of like uh... I don't know. I I just I I just there's that weird thing of like yeah, I mean, sure, that person's you know, probably complaining in an annoying, entitled way or whatever, but, but they might not be. I, my thing is... I, like, I, okay. just, I find the complaint fascinating. Well, okay, I I think that, for example, Spider-Man, the original tortured hero, um, you know, you don't get a ton of flashbacks, I feel, to his quote-unquote original sin. Like, he talks about it all the time.
1: Like, sure, internally... But this, this, the, the complaint wasn't... I don't want to see a lot of flashbacks. It was, I don't want to see the trauma at all. Well, sure. But I guess what I'm saying is, is like,
0: I guess that's what I'm saying, is, is for people who started reading Spider-Man at a certain point, unless you go, and admittedly, I'm talking about, like, way back in the day, like, they re-ran Spider-Man's origin, like it would pop up in a, in a you know, with a packet of Tide or in a cereal box every so oh, often. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you didn't necessarily always have to like maybe sometimes like dynamite magazine would have two pages or you had a copy of the origin of marvel comics but i'm just saying there were long swaths of time where i think that the idea of having a tortured hero and not necessarily having to see the cause of the wound i kind of get it because because this is i mean this is the thing these things are fantasies right and they're and they're primarily eco fantasies and so to me, the whole idea of as annoying and as exasperating as it is that somebody is uh, essentially demanding that ego fantasies be tailor made particularly to them, you know, where it's like, no, I really want my superhero to be, you know, he's got to be blonde, or it's, you know, that that sort of thing drives you crazy of, like, you know, where people are suddenly like, w- what are with these SJWs, putting all these other characters in with my superheroes, let's just have <laughs> good old-fashioned superheroes. Like, that is taken to horrible, awful extremes, but there is a little bit of this idea of, like, these are ego fantasy fulfillment things that... Like, you know, it's only when we start moving into the confusion of, no, they're deeper literary mythic things. It's like, are they? Or are they just a way for, like, publishers to, like, crank out a few extra bucks?
1: You know? And it's... Oh, sure. And and in a weird way, like, I can see that argument against something like Heroes in Crisis much more than, mm-hmm. I like traumatized superheroes, I just don't want to see the trauma. Mm-hmm. hmm Which feels which i don't know it feels weird like that feels like a very entitled attitude to me right yeah. in, in a way that in a way that saying you know they're not built to withstand this sort of story well
2: i'm not, does not.
0: I, i'm not necessarily even saying that although that is an argument in there i'm not necessarily the first person you know i mean there's plenty of people who have made that for myself i think that the superhero is an incredibly flexible malleable metaphor where you can tell all sorts of stories i think The thing is, is it used to be easy to say, uh, okay, well, if you don't, well, and on the one hand, part of me is like, yeah, that person, you don't, you don't want to see the trauma. Don't read the comic like God knows you can find summaries you know on Wikipedia exactly yeah whatever. exactly
1: you don't you don't have to read comics anymore right. the internet will tell you what happens in every single story
0: yeah exactly so in that case you can get as far away from that actual incident you don't have to see it at all I mean that's that's the weird there's a weird thing there's a weird tension inside comic books collecting and reading and especially as it manifests in superhero comics where the need it used to be the need to know everything was always going to go unfulfilled you know and again this is like way way back but like everyone had like a hole in their comic book collection oh sure
1: you know what i mean before before the internet yeah you there was always like at least one comic that you could never find right you never found, and you never knew what happened, and, and
0: sometimes your brain just filled it in with so much detail, or there wasn't, but, you know, also by that point, depending on when you came in, you were never going to have a whole run of that character, and so therefore their life was, uh, in a way, far more rich than when, you know, <laughs> we actually got Marvel Unlimited or the G.I.T. Corps, and I'm like, huh, the Avengers kind of suck.
1: Wow, so so much. <laughs> Those people are terrible, you know that kind of thing but it is it is very strange the um as you said, like it's the life's being richer when you have to imagine some of it,
0: yeah, which you and, know, and so part of me is a little bit of like
2: I kinda
0: like being imagining like, oh, here's the traumatic. You know, like that's the that's the great thing about Chris Claremont's like everyone's gonna have an insane absurd backstory is people would drop references to those things and, and thanks to it be also being Chris Claremont, you didn't know if you were ever going to find out. There was all sorts of
1: stuff that you didn't find out for such a long time and every once in a while. Or, or never find out. Like, yeah there's exactly. so much in Claremont's X Men where it's 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 not even subtext as much as like, you know, triple subtext. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know where it's you know, the you've heard the, his whole theory about Mystique and Destiny were were having an affair, but Kurt is their child because Mystique assumed male form, right? To like you know, and he he can never even really come close to that in the comics, right? It? Right. You know. So so the things that get
0: dropped or said or mentioned or elliptical, like you'll never know how how much alike we are. Like what do you, what do you mean by that? And it just hangs there and so it's great so I mean don't get me wrong so there is a thing where I'm kind of like in a way I see where that idea of like uh people, people being entitled part of me is like these are superhero comics. Like, there is a little bit of part of me is like, I mean, you know. It's entitlement, it's baked into the, the whole it, thing. It kind of is. It kind of is. It's like, if you are powerless and you want to see a guy in, like, you know, red trunks, like, jump over a building and, like, punch a rich dude in a jaw, like, that's where, that's, that's that's again there wasn't supposed to be like sort of subtlety or nuance or that kind of thing but even but even more so i feel like there is an extent of particularly now that the this you know superheroes are still just such such the huge chunk of the landscape you know I, I and i think i feel sometimes like this is part of what can be problematic is there's so few things in the superhero landscape that really feel like they're genuinely you know different i suppose like mm-hmm. you know the vernaculars the same but but also so frequently the the approach is the same i think i told you like um last time we talked i had started rereading 52 and god help me it's been so crazy and so much other stuff i've barely read anything but i'm like up to like issue 7 and what's great about being just like this, the the laymo that i am is reading this stuff and being like it's astonishing how much of this stuff is um I, it just it just keeps coming around again, you know. Like like I'm on issue six, and of course, as you know, there's this whole thing, and I believe this is largely Jeff Johns' storyline, although not necessarily. Where like the whole where where Black Adam is essentially a superhero who's going to do something in the world. Like he's he's like I'm going to actually change things, and so you see in like issue five or six or whatever, where it's like. It really starts to blow up where Green Lantern goes in. The two Green Lanterns go in to get this guy. But because they're in China's airspace, suddenly they're fighting against the Great Ten to be able to get this one dude back. And then Black Adam it's shows terrible. up. And,
1: Why do I remember that? I do
0: what well, you know what? Actually you're thinking of Terror Man. that was the previous issue with Power Girl oh, and was?
1: Okay. Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're conflating the two because they're very no, similar I, I, sort no, of things. Also, I'm really glad that I am wrong. Yeah, right. I no, like like no, if I remember Bullet Point for fifty two, a comic I've not read in at least four years, yeah. then then that's a problem. I don't know. I think that's that's
0: that's awesome. But so, yeah, so, of course, suddenly there's this showdown where uh the Red Guardians show up and back Green Lantern and Black Adam and, uh uh you know, the Great Ten or like, you know, and essentially there's this whole thing that's just commented on where it's like all the superpowers are escalating in the world now because of this. And I'm like, well, this is this is fucking Doomsday Clock, the dry run, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and it's and it's stuff. It's, it's something that I might be misremembering, but I think shows up in John's Green Lantern around the same time as fifty two. Mm-hmm. Where like he, clearly he's had this in his back pocket for a while and he's like, I just want to fucking do this superheroes as like super arms race story. Right. Just going to fucking get to it one day. Yeah. 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 And it's
0: so I was kinda like, huh? Like so there's so much on of course as I mentioned. You know, the world still reeling from when all the supervillains teamed up to, you know, and, and just flat out attack the superheroes. And it was like, but okay, you know, again, that thing that's Dio's story that he's broken out two or three times since. And it's just, it's all crazy, Graham.
1: It's all, exactly. it's, all crazy, it's all, it's so funny that. The Justice League run that that's happening now is Cut Snyder's Justice League run, which I'm enjoying. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but like where Hook is like, it's the Legion of Doom. Yeah, and I'm like, I feel like we've seen Legion of Doom like three times in the past ten years. Right, right, right. right like right. I feel like we just keep seeing the Legion of Doom.
0: Yeah, you're right. let's well, see, and there is a little bit of that. Like eh, we're kind of we're kind of stuck. Although that was that was an interesting issue, and we should we should circle back to that. So, um. Yeah, I again it's just there so for me I feel like the person who's like I just don't want to see the trauma is like there's it's really hard to avoid it in today's comics. There's not a lot of like there's maybe a couple of like if I feel like there's a couple of kids titles, you know, there's a couple of <laughs> Uh,
1: family-friendly titles, but... But but are you not then making the argument that you don't want to see the traumatized heroes?
0: No, well, no, I'm, again, I'm sort of pro-traumatized heroes. I'm just, part of me is like, A, I'm not necessarily sure if I want to see the trauma, or B, I understand people who don't, or C, it would be great if, and we've talked about this before, there's not really the spectrum that you used to be able to get. Like, the fact that the closest thing we've Got to all ages titles at coming out of DC, for example, are you know Scooby Doo team up, Teen Titans go, and then whatever Batman 66 title. Ty- like, there's no fun Batman, you know. Like what people think of as fun Batman is kind of mm-hmm. not that's so that's fun. Thing the past. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. And so and so, I kind of, I sort of see where at least for me, I feel like that person is kind of. Um, you know, like, uh. There, there's,
1: there's, there's just like, there's a tension there that I just find, like, funny and entitled and frustrating all at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I find there's, like, I just, I don't know, I, I can't resolve it in the same way that you can. Mm-hmm. Part of me's like, well, if you don't want to see the trauma, then why do you want traumatized heroes? Like, that's, No, like, I, like, it's much, it makes much more, the logical argument, it makes more sense to me if you're saying, I don't want to see traumatized heroes. That's great. Or, like, I do want to see traumatized heroes, but I want to know why they're traumatized. Mm -hmm. And I want that taken seriously and and treated with, with respect. Mm -hmm. But the idea of like, no, I want them to be traumatized. I just don't want to see the trauma feels, uh, like gratuitous and, and, Tacky hmm. to me. Right, right. I mean, I, I just I don't know. It's, I I like it, I, it's. I I on one level I wish I could see it the way you see it. Mm-hmm. You know, but I can't. Like I can only I see it as a binary choice where right? I'm like, you know, either you want the trauma or you don't want the trauma. Well, but like, again, you I... like I'm not. Like, sure. I feel like the the. No, they're fucked up, but we'll never tell you why they're fucked up feels like Like, almost like it's it's cheapening the idea of trauma.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, fantasy does cheapen the idea of these things to an extent. You know, sometimes it's able to actually explore it and provide catharsis. But like, I would say that there's there's something to be said for not explaining someone's trauma gives you the room to
1: insert your own there. You know what I mean? Uh, no, I, 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 yes. Uh, and I think there's... You're like, mm, I don't like no, your, I, it, I understand no, your no, point, but, but it's annoying. No, because no, here's the thing, like, I keep coming back to, of all things, Mariko uh, Tamaki's Hulk. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if you read. No,
0: no, I've I've got the, I've got the trades hanging around, but if not, if not.
1: Um, And what I like about that is you like that for me that is a you can plug your own story into it mm-hmm. because the trauma the, the reason for the trauma is shown in Civil War 2 mm-hmm. but there's something about the way that Tamaki then handles the aftermath mm-hmm. that makes it much more universal
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is great and so like I can see your argument mm-hmm. But I also think that if you hadn't seen the thing in Secret in Civil War 2, I'm so tempted to make a cheap joke here and be like, everyone's life would be better. Ha ha. <laughs> uh, talking I like about it, trauma. <laughs> I, no, but it, I feel like it takes I, – I don't know. I feel like it takes something out of the story. hmm Like I feel like if you're talking – if you're actually writing a story about trauma –
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm, I'm specifically talking about stories about trauma. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, for example, Spider-Man is a story about trauma. I don't think Batman is a story about trauma. Right. I think there is trauma in their past and as a motivating aspect of the character, but I don't think they're actually stories about trauma. But I think that if you're writing a story about trauma, I think you don't at least explain what the trauma is. Then it's a, like, it's, it's a, uh, it's a black hole that sucks the rest of the story into it. Mm-hmm. I think you owe it to the readers to to explain what it is, and otherwise it becomes – it It's not like trauma as universal. Plug your own story in. Mm-hmm. It becomes. I'm not interested in the trauma. I'm interested in the uh, the. I don't see brownie points, but like the, the look at me. I'm being daringness of it all. Like I've got a fucked up person in my story, and mm-hmm. it I, I I it just like it, it oh it does not like it feels really I, again it feels really cheap and tacky to me to just be like no they're traumatized but I'm not actually going to deal with it right like I'm just going to say this person's fucked up why are they <laughs> fucked up doesn't matter you decide <laughs> like feels really like I don't know it really it really sits poorly with me.
2: Hmm.
0: Interesting. It's interesting this is a hot spot. I have to say the other half of this uh, that I'm not going into, uh, well, that maybe we can go go into if we want, but um, I don't like what I've heard about Heroes in Crisis.
1: I have to say, like, I mean. I, I think Heroes in Crisis, here's the thing. It's Tom King whose stuff I love, and mm-hmm. so I'm giving it a lot of, like, leeway. Yeah. I love the idea of Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. I think it has so much potential to go wrong. Like, so much potential to go
0: wrong. Well, if if the synopses that, that I've read off Bleeding Cool sound, like, if that's what's actually going to happen, I was like, ugh. Yeah, I...
1: Amazingly suspicious of the synopses that was given. I,
0: I totally, totally get it. I and you should be like, even as I was reading them, I'm like, eh,
1: I don't, eh, eh, I don't. But this way, if the synopses that happens on Bleeding Cool happens, mm-hmm. um, then it is essentially like 2018's version of Identity Crisis. Well,
0: which is very much how it read. There was there were little right? twinges of
1: yeah, exactly. And and I it think very much is and it yeah. and it is. It is, for my money, like everything I'm complaining about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The I want the brownie points of dealing with trauma without actually dealing with trauma.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, even without that, even outside of the the rich, you know, let's be polite, being sensationalistic to the point of of getting hits. Yes. Of all. There's so much potential for heroes and crisis to go wrong. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Um not least of which one of the things that's been officially announced about heroes of crisis, which is it's a murder mystery set in a trauma center where the the entire plot is oh, the trauma center failed. Right. Right. (laughs) Like trauma center made it worse. Yep. Like uh, that's, yeah, that's big old warning bells, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you don't do that really, really well, Mm -hmm. then holy shit, this is terrible. Yep. Yep. You know, like I, I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, there, there is so much potential for this to be bad.
2: Hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, right now, the only thing that's making me not go, oh god, is that it's Tom King. Hmm. Um, but I, I know you and I are on very different pages. About well, that. I flip back and forth on the pages, but I have to say, Graham, that I'm fascinated
0: that the extent to which, because listeners, here's a little behind the scenes action. Someone wrote us, uh, and was kind of like, oh my I god, I hope you're who? talking. Should, I want to, but I wasn't sure, like, anyway, it Matt Turrell. Everyone knows Matt Turrell, <laughs> friend of the podcast. He and, writes for the website. Well, a very close friend. You know what I mean? A close friend of the, I don't know how to, how do you want to describe him, Graham? Our, our, our fifth Beatle. I mean, you know, yeah. yeah. Alright, so you know, fifth beetle Matt Toro writes in and is like, Hey, I hope you guys are just gonna to talk about please tell me that Jeff read this and that you guys are gonna talk about this. And you were oh, like this being this being Batman Forty Nine. Yeah, sorry, I thought I mentioned it the first part, I probably left it off. Uh and you were like, Um, I don't know if Jeff's read it, but why do you want us to discuss it? And Matt was like, I really can't figure out what I think about it. I Think maybe I kind of hate it. And what was great was you had this thing of like, yeah, I read it. I was like, boy, Jeff's gonna hate this. And I'm like, because you hated it, didn't you, Graham?
1: You're like, no, no. I mean, apart from, like, like, I I really, I really didn't. But I honestly read it and was like, this is everything Jeff didn't like about uh, Tom King's Batman. Okay, run down the list of what that is.
0: um, it is... <laughs> put you on the... And it's fine. Feel free to tap out if you want. Because I kind of know what you mean, but I'm kind of curious as to... to I, I
1: feel might... it is the over-intellectualizing mm-hmm. of, of the Batman mythos. Mm-hmm. And... It being... It's very on the nose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's sort of like cheap over-intellectualizing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um... So th- and it, I feel like it doesn't res- it doesn't respect the Batman mythos in the way that you like the Batman mythos to be respected. <laughs> I feel like it, I feel like it's a little too deconstructionist mm. and, and reductionist mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, so I want to ask you, because the thing that actually struck me in the conversations is you st- – With Matt, is you sort of said that it's like, yeah, where's its Alan Moore influence a little too strongly on its sleeve? Uh, and then, and then Matt basically said something like, yeah, it's kind of like Alan Moore, except it doesn't really tie together the way that Moore was with something clever, and you were like, ho ho, you've got a higher opinion
1: of Alan Moore than
0: I do, which of course is you.
1: Yeah, but, but really, like, it read to me like, um, I feel that Moore, in like the early '80s, mm-hmm. I guess early to mid '80s, because I'm talking about when he's writing his Superman stuff. Right. Um. Would do this like, like the man who, uh, oh god, for Whatever the man who to the, Oh, oh, the no, Superman no, no, annual, the, yeah, the, for the, the, man the man who Superman. has everything, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel is very much like, and and for that matter, his Green Lantern short about F sharp Bell and everything. Mm-hmm. It's very much like I've thought of this twist with the mythos. Mm-hmm. And then it's so on the nose. It's mm-hmm. like, what if, you know, Krypton's surround, but they're all assholes? <laughs> what does Green Lantern mean for someone with no light? <laughs> and it doesn't, but it doesn't actually go beyond that. Like, it's future shock thinking.
0: Well, sure. Well, and right? to be fair, and, and
1: I, yeah. But, no, but you know, I feel like this Tom King issue is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, what if Joker really is in love with Batman? And thinks that he understands him the most. Mm. And there's no like like he all he does with that is like and then he finds Catwoman who maybe understands him more. Uh-huh. Like the the one genuine bum note for Batman forty nine for me
2: mm-hmm.
1: is Catwoman laughing at the end. Right. <laughs> Which is just like, you didn't even know how to finish this issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, like, so it like, would seem. Like this, yeah, like this is This is a bad ending, Mm -hmm. but but up until then, Mm -hmm. like all the stuff, all through the two of them, you know, lying down, basically verbally sparring slash not sparring, like having almost a friendly conversation because they're both so exhausted from the fight and both so injured from the fight, Mm that all worked really well for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it is also, and this is why I thought that you wouldn't like it. For me, it sort of points up how. Um, not deep. A lot of the Batman mythology is right, right. Like, not oh, a lot of it is right. Um, but for me, that's like that's fine because I I don't have the relationship with Batman and the Batman mythos that you do, or that many people do. Like to be honest, I'm surprised that Batman fans are liking the Tom King run as much as they are
0: well it has been kind of divisive but i am fascinated the extent to which i was reading it and i i i am really shocked in in a sense cuz part of me is very much like it feels like the sort of thing that could be running in like batman's third title but not in the main Batman title. You know what I mean? Like if, if Tom King was the guy who was writing Legends of the Dark Knight You're and right. was, was right, Shadow of the Bat. Yeah, exactly. And people are like, oh, you should check out what he's doing over here in Shadow of the Bat. It's kind of this crazy deconstruction and real challenging thing yeah, of. Yeah.
2: Where, where,
1: where's the, where's the basic superhero Batman book?
0: Yeah. Right. Cause this, in a sense, this, That issue was as far from it, and just even the best man, the two pieces that are there, yeah, yeah, Yeah. are. I mean, for myself, what I there's a few things that I find really fascinating about my reactions to issue 49, and one of them is uh, a. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's me. Like going off in different directions, like I'm bifurcating in order to prevent myself from like coming to any sort of opinion that would either like make me give up the book or just be like, okay, fine. I love this, this run. I adore it or something. But I'm just, I'm fascinated by how much King in best man part one and part two. And I feel like it's been building for a while in his Batman run, but also in Mr. Miracle where King is doing this really crazy um the page as a super, super self-contained unit, you know. And then and and this happens a lot in here, but it's kind of like there's something that starts at the beginning of the page, the conversation runs and then it ends. And then like cuz this one in particular where it's Catwoman and Joker and they're talking and he, you know, after the opening action sequence, the aftermath sequence are pretty much a set of single page segments where the tension builds and has a punch and then moves to the next page and builds and has a punch and there's elements that carry through so that by the time that Catwoman mentions a joke on like page seven and then eventually gets around to telling it at like page 17 or whatever it's like like there it is Um, so I'm fascinated by the way in which King is is doing something In his storytelling, I don't know if... I doubt it will continue to build this way, but I also felt that way with the latest issue of of Mr. Miracle, where the the negotiating sequences feel like self-contained units, and then occasionally you'll get a longer sequence, like the scene with Kanto and Mr. Miracle, or the two scenes, I guess. And... You know, there's these, the, uh, the, it's, it's much more strangely modular. Like, it actually kind of reminds me, and not necessarily in a good or bad way, just a way of, um, Dan Klaus's, Klaus's stuff. Like, there's hmm, the, you know, the, particularly when he did, was it Icehaven? Where it's like, there was a larger story that's being told, but each unit, each page is its own unit and kind of its own style of strip.
1: Um, uh when you say it's, it's more modular do you mean it's more modular in Mr. Miracle or he is getting more modular in general
0: In general I mean it certainly seems that these two issues of Batman plus I feel like there was bits and pieces mm-hmm. to that uh within um the Batman the larger Batman storylines like the War of Jokes and Riddles felt very um I say modular but I guess what what's the other word um not anecdotal shit. What is it? It's um uh vignettes. Like there's there's yeah, yeah. you know inter- intertwined vignettes. Like there's a lot a lot more uh of that than than you would expect where a lot of people sort of craft their issue as like sort of one sweeping event kind of thing, you know.
1: Um I, it's no, the reason I ask is I feel that Mr. Miracle is as the series progresses becoming much more fragmented. Uh, yeah, which would make sense. Well, I don't know. I mean, well, I it, guess that's it, true. It, I'd have to go it, back like and it revisit. does make sense to me because it feels like it's building each issue, so it feels like it's intentional.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but I also feel that Mister Miracle is, uh, also packing more information into each issue, which almost forces it to become more fragmented. Hmm. I'm not sure. Maybe. Maybe, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll my, my thing is, is, like,
0: I feel, part of me is I feel like I have a very difficult time kind of remembering what's going on with Mr. Miracle. I guess I guess the first two issues point toward this idea of, of yeah, maybe a more continuous story. But, like, I think it's issue five, where it's Scott and Barda in Los Angeles before they go to war. Yeah, yeah. Um, has, again, is kind of that, like, vignette lots of single page where the scene takes place over a single page and then the next page is a different scene and then it's all sort of tied but there's a lot of there's a lot of breakage of time there's a lot of passage of time that happens in between the pages um, and as opposed to again when you look at that opening sequence in in, uh, Batman 49 where you open up with a four page fight between Catwoman and the Joker, and then the aftermath is broken into these these units. This passage of time. I mm-hmm. uh, so so Batman Forty Nine is interesting because I kind of again part of me is like, wow, if this was in like Shadow of the Bat, I'd be like, I, the, I guess the flip side is also I think King has become an uh, an incredibly witty writer. Like I really. think think his stuff is genuinely funny like even if it's even if it you know it would feel cheap if it wasn't sort of done as well as it is like I really think his Joker is funny and I feel like that is a very That is like one of the hardest things to actually pull off in order to get
1: to the point where it is. It's fascinating to see like a legitimately funny Joker. Yeah. Like a Joker who tells jokes. Yes. A Joker who tells jokes
0: or even in the course of talking builds the joke. Like in 48, I was issue 48. I, the scene in which you, the part where you end up where, where the Joker keeps looking around for a hostage like he starts with the hostage spoilers kills the hostage takes batman hostage accidentally shoots batman and then is like oh shit you know and then later you know takes himself hostage like there's something that's that's really funny and there's something that is very i i think that king's king's take is something that i would probably be interminable for me if it wasn't funny. And the idea that he very much has Catwoman and Joker, like she's he's aware of the idea that they are um, colleagues. And so uh, the way in which they can talk at various levels. But there is, mm-hmm. a, as you pointed out, there is also this idea of King part of again i like 49 more than 48 because sadly batman wasn't in 49 you know what i mean like i still have lots of problems <laughs> yeah, that, with kings that's batman. a
1: running that's a running theme yeah. do you like kings batman when batman is in at less? yes yep
0: absolutely absolutely so there's times where he's mostly speechless throughout 48 he's just scowly punchy guy and even that somehow is Weirdly off and wrong, and I don't know. It's very interesting to me. So, so forty nine was really enjoyable. It was a lot of stuff that I loved, and it was one of those weird things of like, you know, it's funny. You we mentioned more, but actually, what it reminded me of was uh, Neil Gaiman's Riddler story from Secret Origins as well, where, um, where the, where how do I put it the deconstruction of the villains or perhaps I guess a better way to say it is the deconstruction of the changes of the comic book villains is built into the
1: structure of the story and mm-hmm. and, a, and both also concentrate on the inner lives of the villains yes very much so on the inner lives of the villains and, uh, I don't know. I
0: don't know. I don't know if... I don't I'm, know if we'll I'm, see
1: I'm surprised you're as ambivalent as you are, because I honestly was convinced that you'd be like, this is everything I hate about Tom King's Batman. Well, no. Well, no, right. no, no, no right. Batman's right. not there, so yeah. it's, it can't be everything you hate about Tom King's Exactly. King Batman. Right,
0: off, right off the bat, it's a big step up. And so, in that sense, the idea bet. of two characters arguing about what makes Batman tick... uh is pretty okay with me. And and again, the idea that there's a little bit of when Catwoman more or less is chastising them about this idea of, you guys were always all the bat gossip. And and kind of her feeling of like, you didn't understand him at all, you know? And they're very much the Joker's insistence of like, no, I'm him, he's me, I'm chaos, but I'm also, like, I'm also misery, you know? And, and selena saying like he doesn't he doesn't need more misery and it is again it's all the stuff that i you know king has put forward is is kind of thematically right there is the joker says like no if you make him happy he can't be batman anymore and that's that's that we that's kind of the
1: weird dramatic thrust you know that... I, I gotta say that happening before the wedding issue mm-hmm. made me even more convinced that the wedding is not going to happen. Because
2: mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. I think it's a setup for her not going through with it. Yeah, I think so as well.
0: Which I think I had mentioned, it seemed to me as as likely, I suppose, just because I don't think that they could have... Because I don't know that there were a lot of options otherwise. You know what I mean? Um,
1: well, the I, the other option for me, because cause the thing is... We are both cynical enough to know that Batman cannot get married to Catwoman and stay married to Catwoman. Right. So the other option for me is that they do go through with it and they make themselves miserable. And then they split up and you get like super angsty Batman.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, and I think we're going to get some variation on that. No, Um, what I meant was is that, thank God, the, you know, the 21st century being what it is for the most part is, you know, like... 10 years ago, if this this were something being written with Dan DiDio's oversight, I can see where people are like, no, this is great. What we'll do is we'll they'll get married and then we do the full on Honor Majesty's Secret Service and we cancel and we'll kill Kyle, one. right? And, and then we'll bring back a new Catwoman and blah, 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 blah. Thank God I'm relatively sure that they're not doing that. I mean, because of course we've got the Catwoman title and the other stuff, but who knows maybe that's all the miracle of subterfuge you know um i
1: don't think so but i, I something I think, that's really yeah. something that's really interesting for me is you know i think we both think that the wedding's not going to happen mm-hmm. we're seeing this in the week where marvel pulled out their x-men wedding quote unquote shocker yeah um which surprised me as someone who is not reading x-men gold as such like a weirdly cheap move and I don't know why yeah. it feels cheaper than mm-hmm. like the idea of Batman and Catwoman not getting married does, but it does hmm, well okay so here's the I, thing I'm wondering, right. mm-hmm. I'm wondering if A, it's literally as simple as I'm reading Batman <laughs> do you know what I mean? and it's right. like, I almost feel like it's baked into the premise, like mm-hmm. I do not, I actually do not expect that wedding to go through mm-hmm. you know um, or if it's something more and it, it, and part of me wonders, does the X Men wedding seem tackier because it wasn't just a Colossus and Kitty don't get married; it was a a Barogian gambit too, and there's a new comic as a result. Right? Do you uh, know what I mean? Uh, like that extra twist—what what makes it like? Oh, come on! <laughs> Is well, I. What, I what's, your, it, what's your reaction to that to the plot twist anyway? My reaction to the
0: plot twist was that it was mostly kind of benign. Like, again, there's sort of a weird, like, I, I in that, like, not reading the comic, not paying any attention. Like, I there's a little bit of me that what I find fascinating about it is that on the one hand, the idea of, like, oh, we're going to marry one set of characters. But the surprise twist is it's a fake out and we're going to marry another set is to me kind of clever and I got to admit I'm the person who actually thought that like at one point I was obsessed with trying to pitch DC the idea that they should do a storyline that was about uh, you know in the build up to the first Constantine movie that they should do a storyline about John Constantine training his apprentice who would look just like Keanu Reeves and the whole idea was is that 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 it was John Constantine's time, and he was, you know, this was going to be the death of Constantine, and there was going to be Constantine reborn. And, in other words, trying to play with the the meta of what we believe. Yeah. yeah, and people being like, oh, goddammit, DC's going to do this, because, of course, then they have a Constantine that looks like Keanu Reeves, and what the fuck? And then, of course, the whole idea would be that Constantine would be, would basically sacrifice Keanu Reeves in a cold-hearted bastardly but also sort of necessary for the greater good but mostly for Constantine um, by essentially you know killing himself by proxy or sacrificing himself by proxy and I was like so for me part of the thing of like playing with the meta marketing to 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 convince fans jaded fans that they um, don't necessarily know what's going to happen I don't think that that's a bad idea I personally think the thing that is interesting to me is is I cannot see any way that Kitty marrying Colossus would break those characters in any way. Whereas the idea of Rogue getting married seems to me to really break the character. You know what I mean? Like,
1: to break Rogue in particular. In
0: particular. And I mean, admittedly, I'm a guy who's not read an X-Men comic, you know... Uh, For the most part, and Morrison aside, in like however many years, but it seems to me part of Rogue's thing—the idea of like she can't get close to anyone because of her body, you know what I mean—is such a strong. They fixed that. Well, see, and there you go. So, I mean, that's that's why I'm out of touch. People are like, "Well, no, no, but it's true. It's it's like
1: it's been like you've removed that element Mm -hmm. from Rogue." Right, then, then you know you've to to some degree that you've already broken the character.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know exactly.
1: So, so I mean, for um, me, there's kind of a uh, you know something that I was going to say when you said like you haven't read any X Men comics since Morrison mm-hmm. is you should try Tom Taylor's X Men Red, mm-hmm. which which I caught up with just this morning, and is really good. And then it's funny; it's really good in the sense of you were talking about, like, you know, where's the, the superhero Batman book? Like, where's the where's the lead Batman book now? Right. It feels like a lead X-Men book, f- to me, for the first time since Morrison. Wow. Uh, it feels like a, a title that has pretty much all the characters you'd expect, mm-hmm. with the, the exception of, like, the ones who are dead. <laughs> right. You know, like, you know, the, la- the lack of Cyclops, but Cyclops is dead, mm-hmm. you know? Um, But it feels very... Core purpose X Men and focused in a way that I I feel that the the other X Men titles just haven't been in the longest time. Hmm. Um. Also, it's worth pointing out the villain of the piece is Cassandra Nova from Morrison's run. Ah, interesting. Okay, right, which makes sense.
0: I yeah, you know, I don't know. I got to tell you, I well, a let me just say that from everything that I've heard, I I feel very comfortable saying that that. Uh, one of the things that I can... T- is an oversight that I I kick myself um, for not correcting is not reading more Tom Taylor comics, you know?
1: Like, I really He's like... He's really good.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, that, and that's it. And I'm fascinated by the extent to which people are like, Injustice is really good, then he jumps over to Marvel, and people are like, His Wolverine's really good? You know, he just gets... People who I respect say really good things about him, and then I see like screenshots of of you know panels, and I'm like, yeah, I should check that out. And I I I'm sort of I feel foolish that I haven't. But
1: I I think you'd actually really like it all new Wolverine. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. because it is it's a very successful recontextualization of Wolverine tropes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, and does a lot with for one of a better way of putting it. Bringing a comedy to Wolverine that could not have existed before, right? Uh, yeah, it, it's 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 a really good title. Mm-hmm. But an X Men Red is is a very good X Men comic. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: To the oh. point where it's like, oh, this is like I remember I liked X Men comics when I was a kid. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Right, you're like, oh, oh this is this is it. This is what I liked about it. I I it's
0: interesting. I have to try it out. I feel I really do feel like like. The X Men
1: books are things that I'll just never be able to really. Oh, it's not like reading Claremont again. Don't get right. me wrong. Right. Exactly. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's like because he's a very different writer from Claremont. Right. Which is good. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it has the, for want of a better way of putting it, uh, the lightness mm-hmm. of, of Claremont and his prime in the same way that Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X Men right did as well. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things I loved about that book was. It was funny mm-hmm. and it was silly and it was fine doing those things yeah. as opposed to, you know, let's do another story where Mastermind has come back and is corrupting another member of the X Men. And you know, it instead he'll be like, You know what I want to bring back? I want to bring back the island and like let's have a story where they go into space and gamble. Right, <laughs> which which feels, you know, which are like, oh yeah, it kind of reminds me of like when Claremont and and, and Cochram did that, you yeah,
2: know, right, right, when
1: when they were like, sure, let's make a space book for a few months, yeah, um, and and you know, I think Iron did the same thing in Wolverine and the X Men, and what was missing from that and is present in Taylor's X Men Red mm-hmm. is the idea of the X Men are superheroes who do superhero stuff, but also fight bigotry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, which is, is theoretically, like, the core concept of X-Men. But for me, like, in the last 10 years, it's been X-Men fight bigotry, but they're not really superheroes. They're, you know, terrorists, or they're freedom fighters, right. or they're political refugees. And this is very clearly a, they're fucking superheroes. Right. Right, you know, which which is yeah, I gotta admit that is an appeal. No uh, uh, spoilers, no spoilers. Like it's, I'm telling you a thing, but it's not actually a plot spoiler. Mm -hmm. Their mode of transport, because you know, remember the X-Men used to have like the Blackbird, and you know, their mode of transport is uh, a repurposed Sentinel that they painted a rainbow on its chest. (laughs) That's lovely. That's really great. And they're like, when and there's actually a, a line of like, once t- you take out all the murder stuff? There's a lot of space in a science
0: <laughs> That's really funny. And,
1: and it's just a level of like, you know, it's cute, but it's not like twee. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay. And I think Injustice does a lot of the same thing as well, actually. Mm-hmm. That it has stuff that's cute and like, is f- both works as an Easter egg, but also like a fun... Playfulness for for fans who know this stuff, but it's never too cute, right? You know which what is I mean. You're a, which never like, a hard
0: line to watch.
1: You're, exactly. Yeah. And I think Taylor was really good at that line.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, his injustice is genuinely surprisingly good because mm-hmm. injustice should not be good, right?
2: Well, so I mean,
1: I, yeah, there's so much about justice that should just be bad, mm-hmm. and instead, justice is. Not only remarkably charming but remarkably optimistic and hopeful, right, right, which considering has like the most pessimistic premise is staggering yeah 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 yeah. no is which is hugely to to his credit in
0: that sense so yeah i uh, uh so yeah taylor he's he's someone that i've been meaning to i feel like injustice probably will have a better shot than than x men just I mean, because despite well, it's theoretically your like standalone, uh, X Men Red. No, no, Justice is like Oh yeah, exactly. Story. No, like, exactly. You just have to read Justice. Yeah, just get the trades. Yeah, hoopla or whatever, and uh, yeah, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a problem. Um, yeah. I but also I think there's just that thing of like I don't know. X Men bless their hearts. Like even when I, I was reading Morrison's X Men, part of it was like, oh, I'm reading, I'm reading a Morrison title. You know, it's yes, kind
1: of, yes. and that I I I actually really had that when it was happening as well. Mm-hmm. The, this weird thing of like, oh, you know, it, it, sure I'm reading an X Men comic, but I'm really reading a Grant Morrison comic.
0: Right, right, yeah, you know, and that that was kind of it because I do think that there's something I don't in any way mean to to diss it, but it's just kind of like I so thoroughly love the X Men and they did it. It meant so much to me and. So much so
1: that kind of when it ended, it ended. You know what I mean? Like it yes, just yes. is weird. Yes. And I, I, I th- no, I think I'm the same way though. hmm I think like you know when I stopped reading X-Men regularly,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like the X-Men was kind of dead to me. And yeah. that's not true. Like I've gone back and read a bunch of it, and and Marvel Unlimited makes it very easy to like dive into the parts that I've missed. But it's always this with this weird thing of like, yeah, but it's not really the X-Men.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's it. It's like, it's not really the X-Men, or even when I get to the point that it is, it just, it just always feels, again, like that thing of like, reading it because it was a Grant Morrison comic w- made sense. And then there were the things that I enjoyed, or ultimately the things that frustrated me, that that ended up being tied in with the X Men stuff. But it wasn't like, oh, I'm reading X Men again, hooray! There was a weird, like,
1: um, yeah, it's well, just you didn't like when it was over. You weren't like, I'm gonna keep reading X Men because I've remembered how much I love the characters. Well, yeah. <laughs> it was like, Morrison's done, I'm done. Yeah, for the
0: most part, I and, and I I really found myself being like, it's. Yeah, I did, I the the it's going to be it's a hugely embarrassing analogy, but it is it's entirely apt for me. It would be like trying to date my first high school girlfriend again, you know? Like it's mm. just
1: I I I that is simultaneously like a terrible analogy, and I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah,
0: you know, like I I I don't know I it I, I know that it's terrible and gross, but it also there's just something weirdly apt. It's like no I've emotional closure. I had the entire thing. I don't... I'm glad everyone else... I hope everyone else gets the ch- the opportunity to, to love a comic or even love tho- that comic or those characters as much as I did. But I also have that weird thing of like, I just... yeah, I don't... There's no need for me. I don't need to... It is that weird like... Like, uh, you know, it's like, oh, hey, you know, it's weird if it's exactly the way that it was. And it's also weird if the person's changed and, you know, in all the intervening years. It's kind of like, like you said, when like, yeah, Cyclops is dead. I'm like, yeah, Cyclops is dead. Part of me is in my brain. I'm like, how is it even an X-Men comic if Cyclops
1: is dead? But of course it is,
0: you know, but at the same time.
1: No, but it's true. You're like, you know, I think... And this this may not be true. I might be talking out my ass here, but I think that for people who grew up on the X Men, mm-hmm. the X Men is whatever group. That, it's like Doctor Who. It's whatever group you were reading at that particular point when you right. imprinted on it. Yeah. Same way, whatever doctor you was who was the doctor when you imprinted on oh, it is you your did. doctor. Yeah. And so, like the X Men for me, if it doesn't have like Kitty and Colossus and Storm and Wolverine and Nightcrawler mm-hmm. and Rogue it's not the x-men mm-hmm. and and you know honestly if it doesn't have like rachel summers like right. if it doesn't have the the like rumita junior era x-men well see <laughs> i like but it, And, you know, that's not your X-Men either. Well, Do you know see, what I mean? that's like, That's yeah, that exactly. after your yeah, You're yeah, like, yeah. well, no, like, you know, even Rook's questionable, definitely not Rachel. Right. Well, see, that's it. I got to,
0: I think I jumped off at issue
1: 202.
0: And there is a lot to be said. And I think this is kind of the thing that I think people felt about, say, Legion of Superheroes is the idea of change was part of the status quo and (laughs) there was a way in which you were okay with that as long as you know as you wrote it out but I think there's just a point where people make choices or changes and they make sense or not you know what I mean like but I ultimately it was just that thing of like because I know what you mean in my brain I feel like Rogue being part of the team Makes a ton of sense. You know, I kind of see what the John Romita Jr. stuff, what you're saying. The weird part is, is from myself, like, around the time that you got both Madeline Pryor and Rachel Summers in there, was the part where I was kind
1: of like, uh, no. Exactly. It's like, you know, you've killed off Gene, fine. Don't bring in two genes. <laughs> well, that's it. You bring in two genes. Like, there's something very, again, I
0: fucking adore whatever the fuck is in fucking Chris Claremont's head. Like, I don't, like, it's in an abstract way. I don't think that I could, you know, hang out with the guy. I would not want to be like, when he's like, okay, time, time to have sexy mind control hot tub games. I would not, I would not be down with that. But from a distance, I'm so fascinated by the idea that they killed off Gene Grey and then, like, st- six issues later blew up the world in a future timeline and essentially Claremont never got over either of those events you know what I mean like mm-hmm. whatever weirdo imprinting like you know you know how there's that weird element of Vertigo um, running behind Hitchcock's Vertigo running behind uh, Madeline Pryor you know with Scott and Madeline you know those yeah, are, yeah, yeah. and there's kind of that weird thing where it's like it's almost as if Claremont is the Jimmy Stewart character in Vertigo not Scott Summers like he's the guy who is so fixated on Jean Grey that the way that it just and so yeah that was the part where i was like uh no this is not going to work for me in some weird way because it felt like even as Claremont's thinking that he's moving forward he's already kind of trapped in the hall of mirrors of his own comic book past in a way mm-hmm. and that that was just i guess for myself it was just kind of like you know something as simple as like yeah this isn't really working or eh, this was a good ride you know um but like you said, it, I think for anyone, it's like, yeah, this is your Doctor Who is when, when it was when you were a kid, or even if you stretch on to an era, you know, I'm sure there are people who are like, for people for whom it's the Russell Davies Doctor Who, I mean, that spans like, what, three Doctors or something, you know? two doctors
1: but it's still two two doctors in like it's like five years like it's, it's, it's a chunk of
0: time yeah it's a big chunk of time and so i'm sure there's various ways that you can you can split split those hairs but but it is i it again it's just that weird which i think probably begs the question of i mean for me i don't like i read two issues of uh spidey schools out because they were um It's Comicsology Unlimited series, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's and it's John Barber writing it, and they were kinda interesting reads. I mean fun, but
1: weird, you know, because, because you don't say say fun like it is fun. I like think... you say fun like it is like it's a question. I think because
0: huh? right. Because I don't entirely understand it. You know, like it very much. These two issues feel like this is them doing a comic that is supposed to be recognizably Spider, the Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's not. And, and 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 that's what kind of bothers me is is that on the first two pages. You've got Peter Parker at school, and Gwen looks, you know, and Gwen is white, you know what I mean? And it's kind of, well, wait, or is it Mary Jane who's? It's, it's, it, it,
1: MJ is the is the the movie character.
0: Right. Okay. Thank you. Then maybe there's no there's fine. no Gwen. In there the is movie. no Gwen. So they put Gwen in there, and then they they bring um, they basically bring uh Bendis's um, buddy character. The one that they more Gank. or less lifted yeah is who, who's they turned into ned in the movie yeah right ned's out but then ganks back in and then there's gloriana who i think is supposed to be glory grant but isn't and it's just this it's i i think it would be fun if it wasn't for because it's barber and he's got some clever writing and he's sort of got a way of sort of upping the stakes and the idea that that's
1: fascinating it's barber
0: yeah i i was kind of surprised as well too i was like oh Huh. Well, I guess...
1: He must have ri- he must have written it before the IDW thing kicked in. But
0: before the which the 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 IDW he's the IDW deal. Uh y- y- yes why what what happened to him in the IDW deal did he get bumped upstairs?
1: He's the, the editor in chief of IDW
0: now. Oh shit okay then yeah this must have gotten written beforehand I guess maybe post transformer GI Joe's or whatever he was freelancing or something I don't know all I know is is that there's a very weird like again it's fun but it's just this weird like i just had the i just had this weird cranky like it feels like what marvel always does which is like oh this is for people who like the movie but we still have to make it different enough for reasons that make no sense to me whatsoever like they just really don't Like, I'm like, why introduce Gengi, not have Ned? Where's Mary Jane? Why is Gwen in here? But then she's gone, and then here comes Glory Grant, but why is that? Now he's at a school for geniuses, and apart from the fact of Tom Holland's Spider-Man has a distinctive kind of voice, and Barber's trying to write and capture it, and it's mostly fun. You know, it really is. It's like fun. There's lots of little fun bits in it. But at the same time, Marvel is doing that weird Marvel thing that it does, you know, where it's kind of like cynical enough to cash in on something, but actually begrudging enough to not, to to also kind of like hamstring it at the same time.
1: Exactly, like weirdly bitter
0: that this is the one they're doing. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of. And it doesn't necessarily come off in, in barbarous thing, but just sort of the weird editorial mandates of like, oh, here's the characters that you put in, and here's how what you reference, and here's how this has to happen. It was like, why can't you just act like these, these are literally, like it's all the same characters from the movie, and he says goodbye to them, and he goes off to Stark camp, you know, on page three, as opposed to introducing his own doppelganger, and like, it just... Ugh ugh, oh. Anyway, so, so you uh, loved it, is what you're saying. I guess what I'm saying is, is like, part of me is like, oh, I, I sort of have fun reading this, but I kind of have a weird, like, again, Spider-Man's one of those characters where I'll dip in and out of the character based on who maybe the creators are, but for a character that was hands down one of my favorite characters growing up, I just don't necessarily feel much need to 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 be part of that character anymore. You know what I mean? Like there's just not a so and I don't know if that's because if you looked at my childhood, the the, the number of Spider Man comics and Marvel comics and X Men comics so outnumbered the ratio of DC and Batman comics that now that I'm fifty plus years old, I can read DC comics and you just have to have you know Issue 49 of Tom King's Black Mass for me to be like, ah, this Batman comic is kind of, kind of working my nerves, you know? <laughs> uh, are you reading Ben's Man of Steel? I am. I'm up to issue four. Well, I guess because those are the four issues. And on the one hand, A, it's entirely, well, how do I put it? I like the first two issues a lot more than the second two issues, you know? Um, and I don't, no well i do know why that is honestly as i'm not a big fan of where uh where bendis is going with his with his reimagining of the krypton thing honestly um mm-hmm. the the whole idea that he's kind of like yeah it's got to be a genocide it's very important to make this connection that superman has escaped a genocide and i'm like Ugh. hmm i think it's I see it, but hmm, but also the characters just the, the you know this is this is issue four like issue three and four are like here's Superman and supergirl facing off against the 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 big bad, and the big bad is utterly generic-y. and I think that's the thing that's really problematic
1: for me. I've gotta say I really like the way the issue four was structured. Because, on the one hand, it's literally just a fight scene, and it's a fight scene that has no beginning or end for whatever a better way of putting it um But what I thought was really interesting about it was you nonetheless get the big reveal in that issue because the big reveal is the flashback mm-hmm. The big reveal is oh, that's what like what has been they've been hinting at for the last three issues it's Jorel. And that, that, I thought that was an interesting flip, whereas previously it's like, you know, what's happening now? And there's something weird in the past. Right. And then when you get to it, the now of it is literally just like a fight scene. And for that matter, a fight scene that, theoretically, midway through the issue, you get the Action Comics 1000 short in there.
0: Oh, okay.
1: That well, it's okay. literally like when the flashback happens, read the Action Comics short, and it slots in exactly there. Oh. And then when it comes back... Mm-hmm. Like the characters introducing the action comic short are referencing what happened in that short. Oh, that's very funny. It, which is again super smart. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that he goes well. There's nothing much happening in the now of it all. But I'm going to say that this is what happened in the flashback, and you're finally going to get to see what was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, as someone who's read issue five, no spoilers, but what Jerrel's there for? Mm-hmm depending on what he does in the remainder of the series Mm -hmm. is potentially a really smart way of writing John and Lois out of the book. Mm Uh, in in, which I did not expect. Hmm. And depending on your feelings on a lot of like hanging parts of the Superman mythology right now, Mm -hmm. uh, a fits right in, and B is actually remarkably respectful to all the characters.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We'll see if he's going where I think he's going. Right, I might be entirely wrong. I just feel that the, the, I feel like he's literally leaving something. He's leading up to something very, very clear.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still enjoying it much more than I expected it to. That's good. I, I mean, there's yeah. I mean, I like I said for the
0: first two issues, which I liked a ton. Um, it's sort of quibblage in a way, that it's like three and four are kind of like, eh, eh, And again, it probably would have helped me if I had known that the Action, com- the action Comics short slotted in there, because otherwise it basically seems like Superman gets punched, flashback come to, the bad guys disappeared, and there's no real yes. strong sense of why or how or what.
1: And yeah, it's because it's the action comic short, and you can tell like when they get co- when it gets collected, if they don't slot it in right there, yeah, they're <laughs> stupid. because yeah. it's literally where it goes. Yeah,
0: that's uh well, well and for me since that I hadn't read it, fight. I really did. I was yeah. like, this what? Like it it felt a little bit um, it felt like a cheat, and knowing that it's at least something a little bit different than that is
1: kind of a relief. But yeah, um, but it, it, it's it's. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a weird one. Um, it's well, no, I say that because like issue four on on the face of it mm-hmm. is just a fight scene, right? But this, everything he's doing structurally, I, I like, I was like, this is fucking smart. Like this this is really smart. And so came out being like, oh, that's a really like he did that really well. Mm-hmm. But if you take that away, if you take like the gimmick away. If you take the flashback away, if you take the fact that the action comic story slots in there, it's just a fight scene.
2: Yeah, but... Well, and for no that
1: matter, it's not even really a fight scene. Well, yeah. The fight takes place in the action comic story. Right.
0: And that's the part that sort of bugs me. I'm actually okay with, with, with fight scenes. I think the thing that sort of bothered me was kind of a little bit of the... um You know, it's like Superman passes out and then he's back and then he's like, oh, where am I going to find this guy? Oh, I know I'm going to fly up north. And part of me is like, I I think it's if you have a character where the mm, where there's apparently only one motivation that's going through and the motivation is I have to kill you and then you have the character at your mercy and then you don't kill them. I'm like, again, it's the, it feels like a cheat. You know.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's like what a like um there is a there's uh an explanation of sorts in issue five.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I get that, but part of me is also like, uh, that's not where that explanation <laughs> needed to be. I mean, I can see no, it for no, the I, trade I, I, in I that think, sense, I think but that, yeah,
1: I think that's true. And also, to be fair, I think, and I might be misremembering, I think in issue five, someone actually basically brings up that very point.
2: Mm-hmm. Introduced... The
1: well, yeah. wait, why didn't he kill you?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Of it all, right? Um, but but you're right. Like it, it's if if you start with he's trying to kill all Kryptonians, and then you get the oh, but wait, why isn't Superman dead? Like Superman was unconscious, so why isn't Superman dead? Uh, like it is 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 a thing, It's a plot hole, but mm-hmm. also isn't because they're obviously not going to kill off Superman. Well, like it's one of the things where like you you. Uh, and I think this might be my problem.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not with issue 4, but like my problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the meta-ness is making me go too forgiving of the issue's failures.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I, well, well, I, which is fair. Which is, you know what I mean? Sometimes you finish the book and it's... I think the thing that's really weird for me is I didn't have very high expectations for Bendis' Man of Steel and to an extent that still works for me in a sense of like, yeah, it's you know like like you said the meta ness is clever. There's there's just a, there but you know I'm just kind of like taken on its own terms. It kind of didn't work. Whereas the previous first two issues worked surprisingly well. Again, yes. just yes. taken on their own terms. So so it is a no, little I, bit of a and I, I think
1: you're right. I mm-hmm. I think I'm I'm coming around to your way of thinking, Jeff. <laughs>
0: Ah, uh, how I live for moments like these. This is why I edit the podcast. <laughs> so I can just take little elements like that and I just add it to my special gram file. Where I just play oh, it, you where you say nice things cut, to me. i cut and, that yeah.
1: bit out and mm-hmm. put it at the end of every conversation we have in this episode. Yeah. It's, 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 I just... Well, play. the screen and then I'll be like, but I'm coming around to your way of thinking. Like, I think say <laughs> that right. much. It's
0: true. It's totally true. It's gonna, you're like, I don't remember, why did I say that as soon as you greeted me? Like, ah, it seems a little extreme. Uh, Justice League Issue 2, you said, again, the Legion of Doom thing kind of
1: diminishing returns in a way a little bit? Uh, yes and no. I'm I'm very, um, I'm just, well, basically, I am never impressed with the Legion of Doom because I didn't grow up with Super Friends. Mm -hmm. Like, I grew up with the comic of Super Friends, but even then, like, sporadically, I didn't grow up with the cartoon. So I have no, like... You know, and an answer going legion of Doom, means nothing to me, yeah um so like on that level, it's never really worked mm-hmm. but it's more the this genuinely is like the third or fourth time they've brought the Legion of Doom back in the last ten years yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well and so it, on that level right. definitely diminishing returns right you know right. Especially because it's always played as, like, the first time. Do you know what I mean? mm -hmm. I can't believe Lex Luthor would gather a team together. I would. He keeps doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: and I do think, I think to the extent that there is a problem with Snyder's Justice League, there's a lot of stuff that I like about it. On the one hand, like, I have a certain, um, I was I was fascinated by the narrative captions in Justice League issue two, that, that there's a, that there's a very specific tone to them that feels different from Snyder's other stuff in a way that I appreciate. And I sort of like the fact that Snyder kept sort of working hard for his like, oh, here's my cool moment. Oh, wait, I've got to try, like, I really feel like he's working super, super, super hard to drop in, like, like a cool idea on every page or every other page. But but it also, I sometimes feel like, you know, you hear the um, complaint from uh, comic book retailers and comic book readers that basically there's just too many comic books being published and nobody can really read them all. And I know that this is, again, this is sort of an old... Um, uh, stomping ground for me, uh, soapbox to climb up on. But Snyder's comic feels like he hasn't read other people's DC comics, or if he did, he ignored them because he's got his cool idea that he wants to do. And even though it's close enough to what someone else did, he's kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but mine's going to be different because it's going to be cooler. Like he said, like the. Are Legend we talking about the ultraviolet? Maybe uh, lantern yeah, or whatever. A little bit. A little bit. Like, you know, it's funny how much I, I was, like, you know, complaining about how much No Justice felt like kind of Snyder doing his riff on Cosmic Odyssey, and then mm. issue two is just loaded with conversations about Jon Stewart
1: Cosmic Odyssey, and right. Cosmic Odyssey,
0: like a yes,
1: lot. Yes, that was, that was also fascinating because technically that didn't happen in this continuity. Right? So there's kind of that weird
0: like there's a little bit of like I think part of me is like Snyder has gotten big enough and or has enough backing from DiDio that he kind of gets to do whatever he wants and one of the things that served him well with New 52 Batman was kind of the ballsiness of like oh well I can do this with With, I can do Year Zero because New 52 Batman didn't have Batman Year One, really. You know, like it's not the same character. Right? Yeah, exactly. And so there's a weird way in which Snyder is kind of doing this very hyper-extended, like... This is my universe. This is the DC story that I want to tell. None of the other DC stories that are like this happened unless I decide they do or in the way that I do or that I allude to what I want. And and I guess that's fine. I mean, part of me is like, honestly, when Jeff Loeb, God help me that I'm going to say this name in a positive way. When Jeff Loeb was doing Superman with Ed McGinnis, he was kind of doing the same sort of thing. And... And I thought that, honestly, it worked pretty well. Or at least it made things kind of interesting and exciting and a little bit unexpected. And it's weird how much Snyder's stuff kind of has a little bit of that juice, but also doesn't. Like, I feel like it's this weird feeling of like, oh, I'm kind of watching Snyder get to play with all the toys that he wants to play with and that's great and yet at the same time I'm also like it feels weirdly kind of weightless because again it's that thing of he's either doing stuff that other people have done like you said bring back the Legion of Doom or whatever the hell is going on with the Infraviolet or there's just a little bit of the hyperactive kid who's like no I've got an anti bullet bullet kind of thing Going on there, where a lot of his like, oh my God! Now that the source wall is open, it's not just the multiverse; it's the multi-multiverse. And here comes, here comes the 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 lanterns who are in the invisible end of the the spectrum. And you know, it's just like, hey, okay, like. And yet, it's pretty to look at, and it's fun, and it's trying really, really hard to entertain. So, it's hard for me to to bear any. It will. In
1: fact, I read it. Well, and I'm like, it's fun, but and also, can we talk about the fact that it's fun and it feels like it is doing what metal promised to do without the pitfalls of metal? Or is that just me? No, 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 no,
0: no. I, I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. I will. I'm not sure I entirely subscribe to You're like, that we'll theory. It is, yeah, six. exactly, exactly. Give it, give it six issues and we'll see, because because Metal started off being like, "Oh yeah, sure, it's going to be fine." And and in a way, I'm sure thematically someone can say cuz I I I like that, I as you know, I'm a sucker for for storytellers who have a theme or a meta-textual theme that they're they're talking about, and it sort of makes sense in a way that he's like, "Yeah, you know, Metal was a sort of hit Snyder's big attempt to essentially do the Batman RIP riff of, you know, I've exercised the DC universe of Batman. Here's what we can look at beyond it. And it's, and now he's playing with all these kind of bigger toys, but, but by the same token, so, but by the same token, yeah, I'm not really sure if it does, like, cause I'm not sure, I feel like the failures of Metal really did end up being a a part of the problem was everything came back to batman and b (laughs) that that there was such a such a strong because i said so isms you know what i mean and i i felt like the first issue of justice league kind of had that a lot of that too where it's like where everyone's like this thing is going to happen. It's going to impact the Earth. We have to stop it. Can we stop it? Is it going to destroy the Earth? No, wait. Maybe it's a great thing. Maybe we should let it happen. And it's, and just this weird, like... And those are only two choices. And we let it happen, and it was good. Or was it? You know, kind of thing. And it was like, I'm not sure I buy your premise in any way. Like, you somehow I remain unconvinced. You know? and I,
1: I, I yes. wanted... Sorry, on you go. No, 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 please. Jump in. I was going to say I want to jump off this and ask you if you're reading Jason Iron and Ed McGinnis' Avengers. Oh
0: shit! You know, I guess the third issue came out this week, right? I forgot to mm-hmm. get it. I liked I read the first two. I read the first two issues and enjoyed them mostly, I guess, because. But at the same time, I also I think by the time of the, by the end of issue two, we're kind of. Loki pops up, I was a little... Uh, I'm not... In other words, I'm an issue behind. So depending on what happens on issue three, I could be dramatically behind because my take on issue two was you know, it's McGinnis and Aaron and so it's kind of big scale and it's fun but it also, again, had a little bit of I don't feel like the story that they think they're telling is entirely on the page yet. And I mm-hmm. don't know. if.
1: <laughs> I, I, I would she say that's even more the case in the third issue. Ooh boy. The okay. third issue felt like, and don't get me wrong, I think the series has been kind of going off the rails since the first issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, including the first issue. Mm-hmm. But issue three felt like a mess to me. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of interested that uh, McGuinness doesn't draw all of it. Oh, really? Oh, shit. Paco Manteno draws a few pages. Mm. And to be fair, is a very good match for McGuinness. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's not a, a drastic switch in styles. Um, But issue three really feels like the writing gets in its way a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I've read it twice, and I'm still not entirely sure what is happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, What? But, but going back to issue two for a second, was it just me or did Jason Aaron seem like weirdly, uh, on page cynical, uh, <laughs> in the opening of issue two when he taught, he has Loki's, uh, narration about making the Avengers again? Mm, uh he you know, he basically goes like you just have to get those three characters again but you know you need a surprise you need right. a couple of b-listers mm-hmm. and i like i, I remember it i mean like holy shit like it's just there to like really hate this issue or something was he in a really bad mood when he was doing the final lettering pass uh maybe
0: maybe he was i don't know i i think that one of the things that sort of Like I'm, I'm tempted to say yes because they're. I mean, on the one hand, I feel like Aaron is a dude who is pretty, who does for the most part does kind of keep up with other people's work and is respectful. And I feel that the idea of Loki as self-aware storyteller of his own narrative is, as you know, like kind of, kind of that thing. You know what I mean? For yeah, for uh, I
1: I I've, I've got to be honest. I think that Aaron really dropped the ball when he brought Loki back into Thor after the the Loki series ended. Mm, interesting. I yeah. I I thought that he was just. I, I thought that Al Ewing left him in a particular place, and Aaron was just like, nope, right. I need to do this. It could be. I mean, that totally makes uh, sense. To and me. i me. like. I like that. That like was that was like annoying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that. I think did we talk about Infinity Countdown last time we did a wait what? Uh, I believe we did. You mentioned it. You meant, and oh, and I, I think so. And I, I talked about how annoying the Galactus uh, twist was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing where the character's in a really interesting place, and then another writer comes along, and is like, no, I need them to do this this thing instead. So I'm just going to like I'm just going to get rid of this as quickly as possible. And it feels to me that Aaron did not as abruptly as Infinity Countdown does, but pretty much the same thing. Where it's like, no, no, I, I I need Loki to do this. And honestly, Aaron's Loki is far less interesting to me.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That
0: makes sense. I'm actually flipping through the thing. I'm not sure if I can find the part that you're talking about. Although when you I said it, I'm like... that's it's like the opening pages. Of issue two? Yeah.
1: Yeah. There, there's not a, there's not like a Loki narration. Oh, yeah, there about.
0: it is. It's just the narration. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. So be it. I've made magic with far less.
1: Yeah. It does seem very, um, and like it even cuts to like, go straight and he's like, you need a surprise in there. Yes. Right. Exactly. And it's like, holy shit. Like <laughs> you were like, it, you know, this is, this is not even meta text this way, this is just text. Right. Right. Yeah,
0: no, and, and I think, right, cause it literally is text. No, I, I felt like it kinda left a, I felt like the first two issues of Avengers left a bad taste in my mouth, but I cannot tell to what extent that that is a lot of Marvel, like Marvel leaving a bad taste in my mouth generally, or which part it was with Aaron, like, you know, there's kind of a sequence where in Avengers 1 where it's where it's Thor, where it's Thor and Cap and Tony and they're all meeting in the bar and they're basically all kind of like oh we're disgraced now uh, this is terrible Well, maybe we should get the Avengers back together again oh that's silly and then this big crisis comes and then they you know, jump into it and you've got and part of me is kind of like, I, how do I put it? Like, like yeah, those characters are in disgrace, but with the, you know, but Eren, who's definitely been doing that whole thing with Thor, and therefore maybe it's earned and maybe it isn't, because I haven't been reading the series, I don't know. Like, part of me was just kind of like, yeah, this doesn't seem... Like it was just weird to read a comic where it's three guys hanging out in the bar and being like, ah, nobody
1: likes. It us all felt now. on the
0: nose. It all felt really on the nose. Yeah, I guess. I mean, for me, it just sort of felt like, like I'm like, it's Marvel comics. When did anybody like you?
1: You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of a little bit of. Well, the, to be fair, like everyone's always liked Captain America. Like, that's his whole thing. Right, and I suppose everyone, for the most part, is like,
0: oh, Thor, he's so dreamy kind of deal when he's walking through a crowd or whatever. But, I mean, like... But, like, again, apart from the Avengers, when there's the sections where the characters really are genuinely assholes and everyone loves them, uh, or they're not assholes, but then they're, you know, they're kind of being dumped on by the government or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, there's still a little bit of the... The fact that these guys were like oh we're underdogs now i feel sad like part of me is like really like you guys were just doing it for the attention like that feels weirdly sort of shallow you know so i mean there's there, there were just weird things in and out of it but then part of me is like i'm fucking watching and Str- Ghost Rider and the and the celestials in the same comic i'm 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 okay with it. I'm totally okay with it. This comic could be dumb as crap and as long as it's got, you know, beautifully drawn big Kirby esque armored bodies and, you know, and a guy with a flaming head in a weird car, I'm okay with it. So, you know. So again, I as always the recurrent message from the Waitwood podcast, don't trust Jeff. Jeff
1: is uh Jeff's uh, unreliable, is what I would say. I'm very ambivalent, is the Jeff Lester uh, <laughs> takeaway from, from this episode, I feel. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I did have
0: to say, I like the first issue of Shanghai Red. I don't know if you... Did you get a chance to read I, that? I,
1: no, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, Look, which is it's annoying. Very, very I, I I've, I've, Everything I've been reading this week has been nutty, Jeff. Has been, has been what? What have you been Jeff, nutty? you've been did reading you comics that came out... I said nutty. You've been reading comics that came out... This week, I've been reading. Uh, I've caught up on a bunch of Marvel stuff actually, because I felt like I hadn't been been up to date with Marvel. Mm-hmm. But um, I've been reading a shit ton of Judge case files. Ah, there we go. There, there's, there's our gram And uh, what, <laughs> no, what, no, really, really, Jeff. Like I have read like I want to say it's I read fifteen and I'm now on twenty three. Woof! Wow! <laughs> so yeah. I've been reading a lot of Judge Dredd this week. That's amazing. Have you been digging it? Yes, very much. Cool. Um, and I, I part of it is this is stuff I haven't read. Like, this is stuff when I stopped reading 2080. Mm-hmm. Um, but also getting back to what we were talking about at the start of the podcast, like Judge Dredd just feels right mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I mean, Judge Dredd just feels feels appropriate, right. Um and so I've just I've honestly just been mainlining Judge Red for the most part. So I haven't read Shanghai Red. Tell me about it because I've heard great things about it.
0: Well, it's uh it's by uh Christopher Sabella and the the art is by uh Joshua Hickson, who does the art and the colors, and the colors are beautiful. Uh Dylan Todd of course does a tremendous uh logo. And I just thought the storytelling was super 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 strong like just panel to panel page by page and i love the color it starts off with um basically it it sort of starts off when well, i i say starts you've got two pages before on a on a ship before the mutiny kicks in and then there's i want to say a bunch of turns but in fact i think it's quite possible that with with a less um luscious and well done storytelling the the actual thrust of the the narrative might actually be a little redundant essentially a character uh, the a bunch of Shanghai men have finally done their two years of service and the ship is at sea but it's the day the first mate the abusive first mate of course goes down and offers them the opportunity to join on as actual full sailors now and and get a fair cut of the earnings, or they can choose to not, in which case they'll be dropped off again, I think in Shanghai penniless and left to their own devices and mm-hmm. uh, one of the characters, a entirely capable, um, tough uh, Shanghai sailor named Jack literally takes the the situation into his own hands there's some crazy ass mutiny action going on and then there are sort of uneasy alliances made it's sort of a it it ends up shaping up as a historical revenge tale like almost something out of django unchained say or um or even something like Kill Bill, where Jack is out for revenge for the people who uh, shanghaied them uh, and is going back to the wild and wo- woolly town of Portland, Oregon. And uh, it, it basically ends with them showing up at uh, Portland. So there's a lot of... There's backstory. There's There's a little bit of the story. The issue gets dragged out just a little bit, I think, for us to get to the end of the first issue in order to make it happen, but again, really lovely, really gripping um and and for me, I'm kind of like it 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 manages to just promise a very like, sort of like the stuff that I was saying weirdly about batman forty nine where it's like everything that's being done is being done so with such um talent and 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 is so assured that it's very easy to look over little bits and pieces of of problems and again the book just looks is great there the color choices are awesome and the art overall is just um i'm into it people i think should who who want something a l- like a little different from what we're, from the standard fare but is still a bloody good time uh is I, I recommend checking it out. I really did dig it.
1: I, I, I will I will have to check it out. I, I it's Chris Sabella who's who's writing, right? Yes, exactly. So so he's he's yeah, he's he's someone I like to check in on. Not everything he writes works for me. Mm-hmm. But he's always interesting. Mm-hmm. And so like it was on my, my to do because of that. Along similar lines, and this is something that isn't out until September, but I because I'm me, I got a chance to read. Um September. Joe yeah, Joe Casey's M oh god, M C M L X V X, I think it's called. Wow. Um is a a black exploitation mm-hmm. book kind of Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's really good, and a lot of what makes it really good is the art.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it is drawn by uh, Ian McEwan,
2: hmm.
1: and Jeff. This book, and I, I should also add, Brad Simpson does the colors, and Brad Simpson's colors really add a lot to the, to the feel of the book. Um, it's it moves at a clip,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but the I spent the entire first issue just going this fucking art, though wow. <laughs> this art mm-hmm. this this book looks amazing, and it really does it It manages to pin in lots of really odd and surprising influences
2: mm-hmm.
1: We are like you know here's Ian heron, here's like you know um the the nineteen eighties sort of independent boom comics mm-hmm. uh Here's some, you know, this cityscape reminds me of Eisner, but it also weirdly reminds me of Chris Ware, but it also feels like you know you're like what but and but it's it's such a beautiful book. Mm. And Casey is in um like Casey can can be self-indulgent a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case here. Mhm he he is he's very much just like i'm going to like just run <laughs> i'm going to start the comic and i'm just going to keep going right uh, and that works really well for the book huh. uh but and i specifically mention it cuz i think you'll like it a lot i
0: i'm glad that you did mention it cuz i do i i i follow ian on twitter and think he is uh awesome and i'm really super excited to to hear that it's so good I, um, yeah,
1: um... I, I was I was really like it. it it's funny because I also follow Ian on Twitter, mm-hmm. and it was one of those things where I got the uh, image. PR was like, "Hey, you know, do you want to take a look at this book?" And I was like, "Oh, I know, Ian. Sure." Right, and then you have this terrible moment of like, "Oh God, what if I don't like?" It? Right. <laughs> Right, exactly. And then I was like, "Oh, that's good because it's actually fucking great." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Phew, phew.
0: Yeah, exactly. I now don't have to temper it at all. So, well, that's uh, that is uh, that is a very, that's a very cool thing, Graham. I'm very, very happy to know it's, about. Uh, no,
1: it's it's just because you were you were talking about this in uh, Shanghai Red, and you're like, "No, it's mm-hmm. it's a a break from the norm, but it's really good." I was like, "Oh, I, that reminds me, I should tell you particularly about this, whatnots, all of you as well, but." I think you Jeff in particular will be like, oh, I I I get where this book is coming from.
2: Mhm. Mhm. Mhm.
1: You know.
0: Yeah, I'm uh I'm I'm, I'm, I'm into it. I, I would li- I would like to uh uh I would like to uh, I would like to check that out very much, please. So, yes, a few months. Oof. I'm I will I can hold it, out that it,
1: long. It's the it's the Latin for 1975. Yes. Which I think I got right. You I, sort of Like didn't. I said, I think it's yeah. MCM, I didn't?
0: No, well, you Hang sort on. of, because you got, because you put the, you said VX, absolutely. but it's that's totally
1: fine. MCMLXXV yes. is
0: what it's called. Yeah, which is 1975. Yeah. Yes. Which is kind of great.
1: Yeah. You know? Because obviously it takes place in 1975. Yeah. Um, yeah that 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 was something that I, I had a chance to read and really 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 dug. That is great. I
0: I would like to see it. I I actually wanted to ask you if there were things that you had cuz it's perhaps not surprising I think for anyone to if I were to admit that there's I have a lot of comics sitting in my shelf in my digital to-do pile that I've not gotten to. And and in fact, things that I purchased that I was like, oh boy, I can't wait to read this. And now I've been kind of
1: like, <laughs> Jeff, do you remember last time we spoke, I'd just been to the Frankenstein comic swap? Yes. I have not read the majority of those comics. Oh, really? Wow, that's kind of a
0: huge relief
1: for me. I have to say. Yeah, I, I got, and I can't remember, because I think we did this before Uh, Baxter Building, so I didn't talk about this on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, I was podcast. about to say, what did you get? But, but I, I got uh, shit ton of Marvel Age mm-hmm. magazines. <laughs> like a shit ton of Marvel Age magazines. Mm-hmm. I got all of the Return of the New Gods run, which is the Jerry Conway done. Oh, Don yeah, you did mention that, Buck yeah. Mm-hmm. Run, that, that is theoretically issues 12 through 18 of New Gods, right. immediately yeah. picking up from Kirby. Um, I got a bunch of uh, Kirby's Captain Victory issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I got a handful of Firestorm annuals Mm. from the 80s, which I did read. I have read the Firestorm annuals. Um, and and a handful of just, like, really random, like, DC things, because it was one of those, like, you know, you can get these comics, like, you can get these 10 comics for, for $10 if you pick another, like, but you've only got eight. Right, exactly. So so just grab another couple. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I have, I would say I read maybe half of them, (laughs) if not, Mm -hmm. and the majority of those being the Marvel Age, which reminds me, Marvel Age magazine, don't get me wrong, it's obviously all, like, pro-Marvel, like, huckstering. Mm-hmm. But Martial Law, which you'll remember was published by Epic. Yes. It's described in one of those Marvel magazines as out watchmaning watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> and I can sort of see that. I can sort of see that. I, I love that so much. Mm-hmm. It's getting back to the whole sleepwalker is Sandman done right joke. <laughs> Uh, that that's a harder one to view properly. I okay, because can... that's, that's just bullshit. Yes. Like depending on what you read Watchmen for, sure martial law can have Watchmen Watchmen. Exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like if you read Watchmen just to see like it's superheroes but the curse. Right. Well yeah. You know what I mean? Like, superheroes right. but with tits. Yeah, like, superheroes sure. but, but the curse. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Like martial law is way more. Yeah. Yep. I just thought it was so great that like that's their selling plan for martial law. Yeah. And it's in the context of the martial law crossover with Hellraiser. (laughs) Like, this just gets back to the core of Hellraiser, and I'm like, it really doesn't. (laughs) What are you talking about? My favourite of all the, because it's it's literally, like, issues from all throughout the run, is there's a three-page interview with Klaus Janssen over the uh, Wolverine Punisher miniseries.
2: Mm.
1: We're in, first of all, it's called something like the Grim and Gritty of Klaus Janssen. (laughs) Um, But in the interview, he talks about how, like, this series has been in the works for years, and it was originally Wolverine and Daredevil, I think. Mm. And then it turned into Wolverine and the Punisher, or maybe it was Punisher and Daredevil, and then it turned into uh, Wolverine and the Punisher, I can't remember. Um, And how it keeps changing, and like, but he's so happy that it's finally coming out. And the last, the end of the interview is, uh, as we went to press, this this title has been taken off our schedule. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great! Oh man, that's the worst! Ah, how horrible is that? Jesus! But but I love seeing the things like they announced that just never happened. Yeah, isn't like, that always great? The uh, the, there's a uh, the the 1990 Marvel Age Annual. Sorry, Marvel Age Preview. They didn't call it an annual. Mm-hmm. Um, has an entire page I'm trying to find it now dedicated to an X-Men crossover that didn't happen Really? The Mutant Wars, the first salvo Yeah, and it's it's the issues that would have ended up being the Extinction Agenda mm. but it's an entirely different plot hmm. entirely different plot hmm.
2: Uh,
1: and, and it's, it's there's a page and they're talking about it and they're like, you know, here are the issues it's going to appear in and there's the issues later that year wow. and it just didn't happen Wow that's crazy. So, yeah, Marvel Age is wonderful for that. For the love Marvel Age. Uh, but no, I've not read the New Gods books at all. Despite the fact that when I saw them, I was like, what? It's an entire run of the New Gods by Conway? Oh god, I... Re- like, this is amazing, and they're so cheap. Right. It's so cheap, in fact, that they've been on my bedside since then, and I've read one issue.
0: Eh, you know, it, it. again, I'm like, as a dude who's sitting on a bunch of stuff that I really am looking forward to reading, and yet at the same time, like, today, I was like, Eh, I don't think so. And not this one not this issue, not not this thing. Like and it was just kind of a kind of a bummer. Like, um like you know, Hoopla is great, but one of the things that, that kind of bums me out about Hoopla is their it's perhaps unsurprising considering all the licensing considerations. Their manga selection is not that great. You know? Like you it's a lot of Harlequin romance manga uh a lot of the don't get me wrong it's fabulous but i've read it, like kazuo koike dark horse titles like lone wolf and cub and samurai assassin and uh a few uh sorry shogun assassin and a few other no i guess it's samurai assassin uh samurai executioner jesus christ finally took me long enough sorry everyone i should edit that out but i'm not going to uh you know and then a few outliers like nishikahara holograph which is amazing or the bat manga bat manga volumes which i adore but again i'm having this situation of like uh, harlequin volumes aside if i've read the majority of your manga section like something has gone wrong you know but i just kind of had that thing where it was like i just had that itch of kind of want to read like like the the manga series that 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 I got turned on to by um, a lot of great recommendations from listeners, like uh, uh, girls mon- monthly manga Nuzukai Kun. I'm getting blowing that title t- entirely, or interviews with Monster Girls, or like because Kodansha had this huge line-wide sale where it was like fifty to sixty percent off, and on and. And it was uh has been running for, like, weeks. I think this is the last weekend that we recorded. By the time we put it up, it will be gone. And I was like, I looked through there, and I'm like, God damn it, everything that I want to read, I've read, and or there's no new volume of. Like, remember how much I was talking about, like, oh, man, I hate to say it, but I really enjoyed that, like, Star Wars... Like, Let's Smooch in the Empire, or whatever the hell it's called. You know, Empire Lost Shadow Stars? or Last something. Stars? Yeah, Lost Stars, or Last Stars, whatever the hell it's called. Like, I was like, I'm into it. And, and I realized, I was like, oh shit, I'd never signed up for that. Like, I didn't subscribe to it on Comixology, so, it, like, the next volume comes out, and it could be months, and I'll forget. I've got to go and sign up. And I went to Comicsology and I went to, because Yen Press... I think is publishing it, and went to that page, and they don't even allow you to sign up for future volumes. Like, There's no subscription button. They're, they're, I'm, That's I, a surprise. I was kind of surprised too. I'm like, maybe, yeah, Lost Stars. I was like, are you guys...
1: Doing a second, you've got to be doing a second volume. Is this just an oversight or wait? wait are they doing a second volume? Because it was only like it's it's an adapting a novel. Did they get through the entire novel in the in the? I
0: I, I didn't. I don't know. Maybe they did. If the if the if no wait hold on they didn't because because I think they actually tease what happens in future things. Because all it is is the backstory. Like you get to the end and it's kind of like okay w- you know. It says Star Wars Lost Stars Volume Two coming soon. I'm like, great, uh, but but apparently, what their definition of soon is is apparently not soon enough to to risk putting a series subscription button on Comicsology. And I was like, damn it! Like I'm in the version of read like there's this one Dark Horse manga that that I fell in love with that was like one volume and you know finished and it's only it's only there's only two volumes that that were published in Japan they dark horse published volume 1 in like 2015 2016 i came across it a year later bought it read it liked it have been waiting Ever since for the second volume, and it's, it's just clear it's never going to happen. So, it's so clear that in fact, when Dark Horse had their big manga, s- uh, sale, like two weeks ago, they didn't even list the volume in it. They were just like, eh, there's, it's not really manga. It's just, it's just. Wow. Pop. Yeah. I was just like, I don't know if they lost the rights or something went wrong. There were, there's the, um, God, is it the Blade of the Immortal person? The person who also did Wave Listen to Me? Did this crazy ass, um, Der Wengelndaden or whatever the hell? I'm just clearly making up names here. Um, <laughs> let me see if I can, like, find it so I don't D I E. No. What is wrong with me? Oh, maybe because it's not on the device. Hold on. D I E. Yeah, uh, Die Vergelder. You know, it, it. Who who did the first volume on this? This was. Uh, this is published by. Why don't you tell me who it's published by? Damn it. It's. It was great. And then it's. I've literally been waiting for. Um. It was originally published in 2015, and I've been waiting for the next volume. It's uh, Heroiki, uh Samura Kodancha published the first volume of it. And they must have literally lost so much money on it that it's clear the second volume is never going to come out. And people were like, oh, yeah, no, I think they're just waiting to publish the second collection contemporaneously with um, the Japanese version. But, like, I think the Japanese version came out, like, two years ago. And I'm like, so this this is never happening unless I guess I turn around and learn to read Japanese, which, you know... Honestly, it's not impossible, right? Many a fanboy has done it before, uh, so um, so Graham, I'll let you know how that goes.
1: But uh, I, I want to get yes. I want to get back to Marvel Age for a second, because one of the things that's fascinating for me yes. is the uh, oh, what's the name of the guy who did Akira, which oh. first Marvel published? Uh, right, Katsuhiro Otomo. Um, they're they talk about two follow-up projects to Akira that I don't think ever appeared, and you can tell me if this is true or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, a monthly comic that he was going to be doing for Marvel. Wow. To no. follow up Akira. Wow. Wow. Um, which, I, they give plot details, and I honestly can't remember the life of it, but I just remember being like, I don't remember there being a monthly comic like, at all. Yeah. Um, And also, uh, a collaboration with Alejandro Jodorowsky. Oh, wow. Well, yes. That, that, that Otomo was going to illustrate and Jodorowsky had written. Holy shit. Wow, I wonder how which, that Which apart. they talk about as if it was literally, like, it was partially completed. Well,
0: <laughs> that is the miracle of Alejandro Jodorowsky. Like, that guy has partially completed everything, if you want to look at it <laughs> in a certain way. The other way to look at it is... He, there's left a lot unfinished. Wow. Okay, let me let me just Google Jordorowski and Otomo because that's amazing.
1: Right? Because I yeah. read that, and I was like, that would like, I can't believe I've never heard of this before.
0: Yeah. Right. Um. Hmm. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna find it. Wow.
1: And again, I can't remember, the, but they like they give a title for it even. Wow.
0: Interesting. They're, they're saying something about how Jodorowsky influenced the ending of Akira, but I don't know if that was the movie or the the the, the graphic novel. And, uh, the manga series. Anyway, wow, that's crazy. That's so much more interesting than the Marvel Ages where I picked up where it was like, I cannot believe the shit that they were basically the Marvel graphic novels that they had in the hopper. Some of which, of course, got finished and were embarrassing, but others that never got it finished and also sounded embarrassing. You know,
1: all I can think of when reading these Marvel ages is there's got to be so much amazing unfinished stuff in in inventory somewhere.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like,
1: yeah. absolutely. You know. Right. Well, it is fascinating. I mean, did they
0: pay? Like, were contracts signed and advances paid? Like, I feel. I feel like back in those crazy days when anything was the, possible, I think people were actually. Literally, in there literally. There's
1: a Bob Layton interview where he talks about his. Adult Spider-Man graphic novel, where the plot was he talks through the entire plot. Oh my god! Spider uh, Peter Parker has an affair with a married woman, falls in love with her, and then decides that he is so like morally uh, uh, like um, torn. Yes, like 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 he's so morally compromised by the whole thing Mm -hmm. that he can't even be Spider-Man anymore. And he's like, it doesn't take place in Guns And, and I was like, well, no shit. Yeah, seriously. But yeah. Oh, my God. You know? Oh. Yeah, it, 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 there's just, and, and they just, they, like, you get interviews with creators where they just talk about all these projects that just never happened. But they talk about them in some, such depth where you're like, someone must have signed a contract somewhere. Well, see, that's it.
0: Like, they clearly must have really written up the whole pitch project. I feel like Claremont was kind of amazing that way for that as well, you know? feel like didn't claremont yeah, there, some, like... there
1: come there comes a point in like uh oh god let's let's say like the last three years of, of the 80s but i don't think i try i think it's like 86 87 and 88 mm-hmm. um and they do something called the marvel a Z or, or a to z i should mm-hmm. say um because they they go through each book and the the writer or the editor of each title explains what is going to happen over the next year And like in some cases they go really in depth. And there's some wonderful ones like the the there's an uh annual where Steve Englehart talks about what he's going to be doing on Daredevil and he never took over Daredevil. He never takes over the book, yeah, wow. But he goes into pretty like good depth about what he's going to do. And there's even a one page strip by Englehart uh teasing it. And he never takes over the book. Um But there's but Claremont like stops answering questions. Wow. Things like, you know, you know, we asked Chris Claremont what he's going to be doing, and he just smiled. <laughs> you know, and, and then you get this thing in the 1990 preview where they're like, you know, here's a crossover that's happening, and it never happened. And you're like, oh, that must be why. Mm-hmm. Like, Claremont, just like, oh, like whatever I say now is not going to happen. Right. So I'm not I'm not going to say anything. Well, because didn't you say there was some sort of –
0: he and Bill Mantlo were doing, going to do some sort of extended – I want to say crossover, or miniseries, or like it was something that they were going to be working on. That was a
1: book that was separate from. Yeah, God, that yeah, that's that's mentioned really, really early on in Marvel Age. Right. Yeah, there's there's so many things, but you get. Oh, do you know what I read? Like uh, uh, just recently, because of one of these Marvel Age things, and I ended up looking for the issues. Uh huh. Steve Gerber's run on Cloak and Dagger. Oh wow. I didn't realize he worked on Cloak and Dagger. Here's the thing. In one of these Marvel Ages he's talking about it and he makes it sound super interesting. He's like, you know, I want to get away from like the japes of it all. I want to talk about like the the you know, what it's actually like for for kids living on the street and 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 deal with real issues. That sounds so mingled. So So Gerbery, yeah. Gerber Uh and the 80s, sure, I'm like I'm down with that. So I I hunt it down. Gerber writes two issues and then it is off the book mid storyline. His two issues, Jeff. Yeah. Cloak and Dagger versus neo Nazis. Wow. It's so good. That's awesome. And then he's like replaced by Terry Cavanagh a mid storyline, and it goes from like literally neo Nazis who are Satanists, yada yada yada,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and like, nope, it's Mephisto. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mephisto, and you're like, wow, someone got really scared in editorial. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Gerber and, and Rick Leonardi. Wow. Man, that'd be kind of interesting. And there's an issue that's Gerber plots and Kavanaugh scripts, and that's the last Leonardi issue. And then it's, like, Kavanaugh and someone else. And the book gets cancelled, like, two months later. Oh, wow.
0: Wow. It's interesting when you see stuff like that, and just suddenly it seems to collapse,
1: you know? Oof. yeah. It's, But it's more than anything, it reminds me of uh, Engelhart leaving New Guardians. Like, you know, an issue where you realize, like, oh, I'm not going to get to do what I want after all. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Ah, wow.
0: oh, Graham, Graham, Graham. The strange, tortured, secret
1: history of these things. You know? Very, very much so. I, I it, 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 along the same lines as you going... Oh, there's this amazing sale in comicsology. It's going to be over by the time that anyone listens to this. Um, do you remember Paul Levitt's did a, a series of books for Tashin uh, about the history of DC? Yeah, absolutely. Until, as we record tomorrow, the 24th, I, the day before this podcast goes live, <laughs> um, Tashin is running a, a big sale on their website. Oh, no. Those books are half price. Oh, my God. That Very be yesterday, because I, I got a broad book for $30. <laughs>
0: Holy shit, that's amazing. Wow. So Jeff, get on touch. I know, part of me is like, oh Jeff, no, don't, oh my god, that sounds amazing though. Uh, well, we will see. We will see if, we'll see if I do, or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Graham, I, f- I, f- I, I hope, I hope the listeners don't mind that we just seem to, um. You know, apart from a lot of a lot of Batman heavy talk, um, just sort of seemed to noodle around a little bit there. Uh, I feel like I had some sort of didn't I didn't have a slam dunk uh, point to make. So,
1: you know, (laughs) Jeff, don't put yourself down. We mean, that's one of the points of this podcast. Right. I agree. Wait What is not a directed podcast. We do not, like, we're no house to astonish. Yes. Do you know what I mean? God. They, they come in and they're like, we're doing the news, yep. we're doing two reviews, we're doing the official handbook of the official handbook, we're out. Right. Whereas we're like, we're going to talk for two hours, stuff's going to come up or not.
2: <laughs> and
1: we just
0: the answer to an end. You know, if we didn't call it Wait What, maybe we should have called this Comic Book
1: Therapy, you know? <laughs> What are those guys talking about? That's going to be the (laughs) Ned's volume. What the hell, Jeff? (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) Well, Graham,
0: so I think, though, we we definitely have talked, you know, for a
1: couple of hours. So do you think we should... (laughs) Oh my god, that's so great! I'm not going to say that we we had a good conversation, but I'm going to say we had a long one. Well, yes, exactly. No, I actually
0: enjoyed it quite a lot. But I always afterwards I kind of have that moment of like, oh, gee, I don't know if the hmm, let me wring my hands about this some more, as is my thing. But do you have do you have? Maybe part of it is is like we were we totally skipped over the news this time.
1: We we is, totally did, and I was just thinking that we we didn't talk about Jeff Johns being out as as. CCO and uh, 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 president of DC Entertainment, right? We that's a big Jim Lee taking over as CCO.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: uh We didn't talk about the the um, Walmart. Yes, comics.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that, I think that's a huge story, potentially. Uh, anyway, we didn't talk
1: about like any news. Yeah, you know, with the exception of, like the X Men thing. Mhm, mhm. That's yeah, right. Which it, you kind of yeah, squeegled in there at the end there. We we yeah we 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 stayed away from the the hot button talk. I thought we were going to talk about all those topics, Jeff.
0: Yeah, I got to admit, I'm sort of I'm sort of surprised. And yet, you know, part of me is like, eh,
1: we'll either get around to it or not. Like, well, here, but that's here's the thing: the fact that we didn't talk about it suggests that maybe neither of us had a burning like. Hot take to to pass on.
0: Well, I I think sometimes this is the the weird like when you get a Baxter building and a uh, skip week like I feel like oh right the Jeff Johns thing I, you know that feels so long ago whereas if it had just been like two days ago I would have been like holy shit what is this but like right, the
1: Walmart th- the Walmart thing was like yesterday
0: yeah right and, and for people who don't know what we're talking about on that one we should at least give context I suspect. Most people probably will, but it was announced, DC announced that they were going to be distributing the quote-unquote 100-page giants uh, in Walmart that are going to be four ninety nine uh an issue. They have it set up so that there's essentially a different branded issue coming out every week, and nope. each... Well, isn't You're it wrong. isn't it
1: four issues in a month or something?
0: Yeah, and once but it's, it's two.
1: Just... It's two in one week, and then there's a week off. Then there's two in the, the third week of the month. Oh, okay. That's how, that's how it's. Coming. I see.
0: Interesting. Okay, so four titles. Ah, good old uh, DC. Anyway, each mm-hmm. each story or uh, each issue is going to have a 12-page story of original content. That I think is like an ongoing serial it's not they're not done in ones I believe
1: is how they make it sound uh, it's really odd the Superman one I think starts with a two parter and then goes into a 12 parter right I think Batman has two one parters and then goes into a 12 parter -parter, right Teen Titans has a six parter Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's a Justice League book which I think is a one parter one parter then a 12 parter
2: right
0: Right, and they they pull some pretty big talent in there. Bendis is doing the Batman 12-parter with
1: with the, Nick Darrington from yeah, Doom
0: Patrol, and the art looks beautiful on that. Uh, but then the rest of the issue for those those of us, thank God, there's people who listen to this podcast who are almost as old as me, the beautiful hundred-page giants of my youth. Uh, were largely reprint volumes with like one original story up front and then a bunch of like e nelson whatever e nelson ridwell thought was awesome so uh you know actually a lot, because i guess they had recently bought the fox comics characters they introduced uh they started reprinting those guys lots so Dollman and Black Hawk and Kid Eternity and a lot of stuff that was awesome that was my exposure to it but you'd also get like Silver Age stuff and backup stuff and just weird like reprints from the 30s and 40s of Simon and Kirby stuff uh, and by contrast these 100 page giants are, are basically going to be like the 12 page story and then
1: is it three reprint it's three issues? reprints and they're basically from the last 16 years And with a a heavy emphasis on New 52. Yeah, there's
0: like a lot of New 52 stuff or even... There was something that seemed sort of semi-rebirthy, or am I mistaken
1: in that? Uh, there, no, there is. It's, it's, I want to say the Batman one has Nightwing rebirth stuff. No, oh. it's Nightwing Fifty Two. Hang on, I'll. I'll actually look it's up the age of It's the age, of heroes. I'll, I'll it's the age to... of
0: heroes stuff, is what I'm thinking of. Like one of yeah, the one of the volumes uh, has Sideways Number One in it, and one of the uh, like the terrific Su- or...
1: Superman has the terrifics in it. Yeah. Uh, so do, do you want me to list out what they're doing? Yeah, let's do it really quickly. I think that's really Superman really cool. Giant is the. Terrifics, Green Lantern, the Jeff Johns run from 2005, and Batman Superman from 2003. Right. With a with, 12-page uh, in original initially from Jimmy Palmiotti and Tom mm-hmm. Uh And then Tom King and Andy Kubert are going to start a 12-parter starting in issue three. Right. Teen Titans is going to be Teen Titans Super Sons from last year, sideways from this year, and Teen Titans, the Jeff Johns run from 2003. Mm-hmm. along with uh, a six-part original story by Dan Juergens, Scott Eaton, Wayne Fokker, and Jim hmm. Uh Batman Giant is going to be Hush from 2002.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The new 52 runs of Nightwing and Harley Quinn. And it'll start off with the Jimmy Palomotti and Patrick Zerker short uh, that's original. And then come issue three, it's going to be Bendis and Nick uh, Darrington.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then Justice League of America Giant. And I I'm, I love. I'm fascinated by the fact that it's called Justice League of America Giant as opposed to Justice League. Um, all of those books are New 52 runs. It's Justice League, Flash, and Aquaman from New 52. Um, it's going to start off with a Tim Seeley and Rick Leonardi Wonder Woman. Then issue two is a Tim Seeley and Philippe Watnabi Wonder Woman. And issue three starts an Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti 12-part Wonder Woman story.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think
0: that, I think that that seems, I hope, I hope that it sells. I really do, cause I think that three reprint comics for $4.99 plus 12 pages of new material, it sounds like there will be a lot of room for ads in there. Uh, DC has promised yeah. that the comic shop locator ad is going to be prominently placed in there as well. Um, hasn't stopped retailers complaining no wh- what are they, what are they complaining about that they don't have access to
1: the twelve pages of new material yep yeah yep, yeah. um which a couple of things one I'm surprised to see retailers complain about this in a way they didn't complain about the Marvel Comicsology Unlimited stuff mm-hmm. because those are twenty page original comics, mm-hmm. but for some reason that gotta pass, and this doesn't
2: mm-hmm.
1: there's multiple reasons why that might be right marvel gets a pass and dc doesn't digital gets a pass and print doesn't yes uh the the creators involved Mm -hmm. like bendis's first batman work right tom king's first extended superman work yeah feels bigger than oh it's you know it's a random like (laughs) john John barber doing spidey yeah exactly um What's really funny is retailers are like, I can't believe we're not getting this. And there's no fucking way that there's not going to be a print collection of this in the drag market. Of course. Absolutely not. Like, it's insane that they think that that's not going to happen. Um, But because it wasn't announced, you know, with this announcement, retailers are losing their shit. Um, I, Not to tell stories out of school, I gave DC a bunch of follow-up questions when this, when I heard about this, and was basically told a lot of your follow up questions and I won't say what they are, but a lot of your follow up questions will be addressed really soon mm-hmm. and and this was not one of my follow up questions, but this is just me speculating. I wonder if there's going to be a plan to release the twelve page shorts as in an anthology title Mm-hmm. before a trade. Um I, I again, complete speculation. Sure. No one has hinted in that direction. Right. Right. Uh but I'm just there's just something about it. I'm like, imagine there was a Superman Batman book and it was Tom King and Brian Michael Bendis. Right. Yeah. You know? hmm mm-hmm. Like I feel that would sell really well in the direct market. Especially yeah. because there's going to be a bunch of for all the retailers that retailers are complaining about this. It's going to be a bunch of people who are not going to pay five dollars for twelve pages of material.
0: Well, I am
1: so, yeah very much would one pay,
0: of those people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Would they pay four dollars for twenty-four pages of material?
0: Right. Well, you know? I mean, or part of that's the thing of like you know underwrite the costs, like give, give, if, you know, the stuff first appears, because it sort of makes sense. Like you gotta, you know, you'll get a couple, some, not, not everyone's going to pay four ninety nine, 99 but some stalwarts will. And it kind of gives an incentive for people to think, you know, people who are already reading the books to check it out or prop it up. But part of me is like, yeah, you know, if you're underwriting the costs of, of, Doing this material sort of up front, um, you know, turn or like, you know, do those twenty, do it as an anthology, and either like pack in, you know, all four, you know, pieces, you, you know, like it's forty-eight issues, and then you price it well, at three ninety-nine or something. I mean, do because... you not know, remember
1: the DC did Legends of Tomorrow, a six-issue series? Yeah, where it was. Four or five like full length stories, yes, yeah, yeah yeah, for like you know eight, for eight dollars, yeah, was... eight dollars
0: yeah yeah, right, and and I think, so i'm personally, I was kind of like, yeah i I also ha- have a feeling there is something weird about reading man of Steel and um and reading Batman, like Batman, like like I said, all my other various things going on. I will say that it's pretty amazing that this has been that Batman has been bi-weekly for as long as it has and the quality has been decent. It's it's been
1: pretty consistent. Yeah,
0: you know, it's been consistent like there's sort of things of like oh I have gripes or whatever, but there are, there's lots of ways in which I don't I don't necessarily feel like it's being hacked out, you know. Um And so I, I think there is a way where part of me is like, yeah, if you if you have Bendis on there, like, again, part of me is like, God damn it, maybe they can make the week. Like, I really do feel like if anyone could make the weekly comic happen, the weekly anthology um happen in in the U.S., it would be I'd like to think that it would be D.C., but, you know. Action Comics Weekly I failed. Told, yeah, but, Action Comics Weekly, yeah. Well, but but I mean, part of me was like, okay, it failed, but like, it went for, I forget, was it two years? Was it three? Nope. No. It didn't even make it for a year. Oh, it didn't even make a year. It, okay.
1: it went for 36 weeks.
0: Ooh, shit. Okay, then maybe they really can't do it. I don't know. I
1: don't know. Part of me is like... Marvel, Marvel Comics Presents, which was a bi-weekly, went on for like 100 odd issues. Well, no, exactly. They
0: and that's it maybe it is maybe by bi- maybe bi-weekly is is the america
1: there, i mean there's a lot of problems with action Comics weekly not least of which a lot of those creators did not know how to write short stories well yeah exactly whereas i feel like we're a little bit like, closer DC right to now it. has rob williams and dan abnett right exactly both, you know yeah
0: yeah exactly both of those guys who do excellent jobs with those you know like Between between the 2000 AD talent to being guys like, again, Bendis is considered a major talent, you know, in theory. And he is, he's he's prolific. He could totally crank out. He's
1: not only prolific, he's always, even in his... uh you know, we both think Bendis' is coasting periods, he's always shown an interest in playing with the form mm-hmm. enough. I think if you were like, do you want to tell a story in six-page chunks? Mm-hmm. That he'd be like, okay. He right. might not do a good job of it, but I think he'd be up for the challenge of it. Well, I think he'd be up for the
0: challenge of it. And yeah, like you said, it it is right. Part of me is like, I feel like it would maybe have the same failures that Bendis' stories have in a, in a in a monthly format, you know. At least for me, I could be wrong. But so yeah, I think I think I feel like so much is positioned there. And yeah, maybe a weekly is not couldn't happen. But who knows? Maybe a maybe a
1: bi-weekly anthology title. Hey, I would I would I would love for that. You know, I yeah. I I think I I've fantasized about a DC 2008-esque book mm-hmm. for a long time because it feels like it, they're so close to doing it. Yeah. You know, right. um, we'll see. We'll see how successful these Walmart books are. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. one of the things I, I want to say really quickly before we move away from it is I wonder if Walmart has given DC a commitment to these books. Because the fact that there's going to be 12 part stories in three of the four books makes mm-hmm. me think that like they must have given them at least a year commitment. Right, right. Yeah, maybe. Because what, what are it going to do? Cancel the books and be like, yeah, you only got eight parts of your Brian Michael Bendis Dick Darrington story.
0: Well, I mean, again, then then that's where the direct market comes into play, right? But no, I see what you're saying. And I do think that there's – it's the fact that, the, you know, the fact that they tried to get that talent and big talent in there to, to do – these sorts of things means that DC's taking it seriously and yeah maybe I would like to think that Walmart but it is Walmart is doing it like it's just Walmart only right mm-hmm.
1: it's so, only Walmart Walmart's so right
0: yeah so Walmart must have made some sort of commitment to it because and I, and I but I'd be fascinated to see if like if they made a year long commitment but they also like what the returnability is Issues are on this. Are yeah. they returnable or are who, who they not
2: returnable?
1: Who even knows? Yeah. Who really? even knows? Uh, but uh, they talk about the the DC announcement specifically talks about the more than three thousand participating stores across the country. Right. And if you think that, imagine each store takes, let's say, forty copies.
0: I was going to say twenty copies,
1: but yeah, take say forty. But but copies. it takes it takes forty like mm-hmm. these titles are outselling anything in strike market. Right. 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 You well, know, that, that's worth considering, especially if they're not returnable. Right.
0: It, well, and that's the weird thing. Are they returnable? Aren't they returnable? Are they – I wonder if there's a split where it's like Walmart has a minimum commitment and then any amount over that there's returnability. Mm-hmm. Like there's the other thing of ways this. to be that
2: up.
1: It's not going to be in the direct market, so we'll never get sales figures. Right. Right. Which – We'll, we'll never know how these books are performing. Yeah. Until they get cancelled. Well, right.
0: Until they contain if they if they get cancelled or they continue on the year two or year three. Uh, Todd Allen, uh, I think over at Comics Beat, of course, uh, dug up one of those because DC has tried this before, right? With like I is books.
1: currently trying it with a title called Showcase. Wow. Which no one knows exists. Yeah. Right. Here's the thing. I don't think Showcase is Walmart exclusive. No? I think Showcase is just like you know, theoretically like mainstream. Like it's a it's a comic sized version of like the, the Archie digests. Mm. Interesting. And interestingly enough, it's also I think it's all from Rebirth Era. Oh, uh yeah. That also sounds
0: familiar. Again, I think Todd uh, found a copy and took some pictures of the inside of the art, but I think it is it is rebirthy, reprinty stuff which sort of makes sense again well, part of me is here's
1: like... what's interesting about starting with the new 52 stuff mm-hmm. technically it's the start of the continuity that still exists in the, the comics right now that's
0: true i suppose if you just keep going it, long enough they, you can go into flashpoint or whatever and then come out the other end no, into rebirth
1: well that's just it like no because new 52 is after flashpoint oh sorry it goes, right. it goes new 52 dcu rebirth right Right, right right sorry. So theoretically like they don't have yeah. to go through flashback. I mean there are stuff from before. They're doing Teen Titans from before. They're doing the Batman stuff from before. Mm-hmm. And Superman Batman in in, in right. the the Superman book. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of fudge that stuff away. Oh, Especially if as as Snyder's is doing in Justice League like mm-hmm. there's a lot of fudging of continuity there.
0: Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. No, it's uh oof, yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting. Part of me does think that you know, in a way, part of me is like feels like I think I think going the the route of going with Batman Superman is I think that's a pretty decent perennial seller that they've you know they've done plenty of trade. Paperback printings, but I mean, oh, like,
1: well, every choice they've got for reprinting, with the exception of like the New Age of DC Hero stuff, makes sense.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The New Age of DC Hero stuff is interesting. I it does make me wonder. It makes me wonder if they're well. There's so many things to wonder. I assume that people that everyone's getting royalties off of these reprints, right? But I think they'd have to is that right. not just
1: a contractual obligation like yeah, since right. the 90s you see? yeah yeah, yeah. I, yeah i think so
0: i assume so like it's a reprint of of the material it's not done in some you know by a, it's not being licensed to a different publisher or anything like that so you know i think it and so part of me is like i wonder if the the new age of heroes stuff in part is being reprinted to Sweeten the pot for people who had committed to the titles and who weren't necessarily seeing
1: the return. I, of the to diet. be to be perfectly cynical, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I I noticed that Dan DeDio's New Age of DC Heroes <laughs> is one of the two New Age of DC Heroes. I know. Be yeah, I kind of had that uh, feeling too. Yeah. yeah, it's there's that, and also I think the Trifix is probably the breakup book from that line. Mm-hmm. And probably the one that isn't going to be cancelled. <laughs> mm, right. Um, so it kind of makes sense to me that they, they, that'd be the one outside of the DiDio one. Right. Uh, that said, like, Sideways, which, honestly, I didn't read past the first issue, and probably should. Like, DC gives me the PDFs every week, so I've, I've got all the PDFs. So I just need to catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, Sideways I, is, is the book that I, as a DC fanboy, should be reading, because it's the one that's going to going to, across the multiverse mm-hmm. and theoretically it's from Mars and co-writing at some point right right so so maybe they know something we don't yeah you would th- you're right you would
0: think that by definition yes absolutely at the same time part of me is like mm, uh, or is it the deal because again when it when the reprint when these reprints happen it's kind of like the comicsology sales it's like oh Jeff Johns and Jim Lee and Dan DeDio all have oh that's well good for them. I'm glad they have yeah, so you, much of their you, work you, being represented. You
1: know that you know that something is is going to be up, and they're like you know DC's master sale. Right. Here's you know the Infinity the Forever People and the Infinity Man. Yes, and you're like oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this, Dan just really wanted this in, did he? Okay, that's yeah. true. I understand.
0: I understand. Yes. Yeah, completely. Well, there we go, Graham. I got to admit that that was a master digression on our part because I really I, was. It was like, hilarious. So we were like,
1: I can't believe we didn't talk about this. Let's talk about this for half an hour.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, God, why do we do this to Jeff? Why? Um Okay. And on that very note, do you do this to the listeners. Well, you know what? The li- I'm like the listeners can stop listening. I can't stop editing. You know, like it's just gotta it's gotta be on there at some point. So, um, so Graham, I say I say we close this down.
1: Jeff wants me to tell you what not <laughs> that uh, there'll be show notes for this episode up on WaitWhatPodcast.com. That there's a Twitter at WaitWhatPod. Uh, Wait what podcast? I got confused for a second because the Tumblr yes. is com mm-hmm. and there is an Instagram feed. Uh, what? Yep, Instagram.com/forward/slash/waitwhatpodcast. I believe. I actually don't even know if that's the, the URL. Let's just say that it is. I it's would definitely say that what it podcast is. on Instagram. Yeah. Let me check right now. No 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 Oh it's
0: Instagram.com slash wait what Wait
1: mm-hmm. what Yes. See I'm glad I'm glad we did check. Otherwise I would have told you all the wrong thing. Yeah. Um yeah, those things exist. Also, Jeff is on Twitter solo at lazy Bassett, at L A Z Y B A S T I D. I'm on Twitter solo at Grim M at G R A E N E M. And we are a Patreon supported podcast which tees Jeff up. To just take it home. Oh, yes. I always
0: always worry about the idea that I'm taking it home. Because it really is kind of that idea of like... Take it
1: home,
0: Jeff. You've had had a little too much to drink, so you've called an Uber. And guess what? The Uber driver is more drunk than you are. Uh, Listeners... You are awesome. You continually manage to uh, inspire us to keep uh, gabbing and keep fretting about how much we're gabbing and about the quality of our gabbing. And you manage to uh, let us know that for the most part you enjoy it. Um, And we are so grateful. We're grateful uh, also to the people on Patreon who one of the ways they let us know that they enjoy it is they throw us the occasional woolong, as it were, uh, which, Wait, uh. the occasional what? Woolong. The Woolong. You know? That's, you know, from Cowboy Bebop. The Woolongs. <laughs> People spending, buying and spending Woolongs.
1: You know? I swear to God, you're talking about that, and I, for some reason, all I can think of is the Wu clan. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're saying. I recognize the words. All I, uh. Let's just keep going. Sure,
0: why not? I mean, part of me is like, yes, Graham. Yeah. How can anyone recover? Like once you mentioned the Wu Tang Clan, I'm like, ah, no. Now we have to talk about the Wu Tang Clan. Um, in fact, there was a thing where I have to say, looking at uh 52, one of the characters in Great Uh Ten is called something like Ghost Fox Killer, and I was like, oh wait, I totally missed that pun the first there... time.
1: Yeah, those, all the great, ten of great names. August General and Iron. Oh,
0: yeah. No, no, no. Well, see, there's the ones that just sound awesome. And then Ghost Fox Killer, which is just a, a, a very funny pun. An Ghost Ghostface yeah. Killer. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, that's, that's clever. How'd I miss that? Um uh, <laughs> bah, the Wulongs. Yeah, it's all about the Wulongs. Um <laughs> Uh, and we are uh, grateful to the people on Patreon who throw it th- our way. As you know, the Baxter Building Podcast exists entirely thanks to people on Patreon um, uh, exhorting us to do so. And uh, we'd like to thank them, as well as the kind crew at American Ninth Art Studios and Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy. Uh, we are especially grateful for their continuing support of this podcast uh, and for their support of this little uh celestial branch of the firmament which certainly needs as much help these days as it can get so we
1: thank you for that Graham? We bring it back down at the end that's what I like, you know we start off on a downer <laughs> and then we I'm not sure if we went up to talk about comics but we definitely weren't completely on downers No. and at the end we bring it back down <laughs> think of it, what like an earlock Think of it that you're 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 being, if you will, sucked in from the, I think I called it a steaming cauldron of shit, uh, and then, you know, you're in you're in the safe space of Jeff and I talking bullshit about comics for a couple of hours, and then at we just have to like get it's it's like when you're on the plane and your ears are popping because the, the pressure's changing, and then then we're ready. We're ready to send you back out into the world. Like, you, you, we've had, we've had a, we've had a good time. We, we've had some laughs. We've, we've gone some places. And then, at the end, we're ready to, to, you know, just, just open the door, send you up the walkway, and go, BYE! (laughs) That was beautifully done!